warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 405. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, paint it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture. Leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm a leftover. No Jake again this week. Yeah, Jake's going through. Uh, I don't, I don't know if he wants, he'll probably tell her. No, I don't know. I'm not going to get into it. It's nothing big. It's just, he, he just can't make it this week. It was like this unexpected thing and it just happened yesterday and he can't make it this week. And if he wants to talk about it, he'll talk about it. I'm, I'm in no position to talk about other people. Except for everyone that we review in these movies, actors and directors, I'll give them all the shit this week. I'll give them all the crap. I'm joined by uh, Joe Stark. Welcome back, Joe. Hey, excited to be here, dude. Dude, I love you. I love your hey out of the gate. That's like, <laughs> your, like your trademark move. Hey. 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 <laughs> yeah. Ready for fun, ready for action. Ready for action. You you slap your ass like a porn star and you're ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Giddy up. Stunt cock. All right. Uh, and we are joined by, uh, she's back from episode 400, Brooke Doherty from, is it She-Ra and the Podcast of Power? Is that what it is yes. there, Brooke? Yeah. Yes. Also, I was thinking how funny it is that you have the gigglers on. Oh, the two gigglers. <laughs> oh, oh no. This is my, yeah. Oh, God. It's already started. Yeah. <laughs> it has begun. <laughs> oh, why'd you have to say that? Now I'm worried about this episode, Brunk. <laughs> I mean, you were going to be worried about this episode in like 10 minutes anyway. That's your usual go-to. So. Tell you what, let's just get it out of the way. This episode's going to suck, everybody. <laughs> let's just get it out of the way right now. All right, so that way there's no expectations as to this one's. Oh, it, oh, it, they never suck. No, they do. They do sometimes. This is going to be one of them. <laughs> so yeah, uh, enjoy your bottom tier episode of PCL this week, and uh, that, that's on me. It's not on you guys. That's all on me. It's all on my shoulders. 
It's all the, uh, the, I am the Atlas of the shitty podcast and I can barely hold this fucker up. Barely keeping it together. It's a, it's a duct taped episode. <laughs> I, I think there's a piece of gum over there where you ran out of duct tape. Yeah. It's like, it's like, um, you know, in Bill and Ted, when they after they fucking destroy the you know the the time machine, and they got the they got the fucking wires and shit, and they're putting it together with the gum brook, that big old gum thing. They get the gum from the so crates and the Billy the Kid, and everybody spit it up. Genghis Khan's been chewing that shit. Why was Genghis Khan in that movie? This guy was like a a rapist and a murderer. And they're, and they're hanging oh out with God, fun to hang out with. I, I just like what a what an odd choice for it for it for for you know a historical figure to join these two bodacious dudes. Let's hang no, out. I mean, they didn't know about Bill Cosby then. No, I'm sorry. Well, they didn't bring Bill Cosby with them. So no, I know. Then they could have brought him instead. Because, like, as far as I know, he's not a murderer. <laughs> so I guess at least there's one. We are. <laughs> We're three minutes in. We're already talking about Bill Cosby. This is gonna, oh, <laughs> the first person that came to mind for some reason. I needed to like keep going with my mind. I love how you've compared Genghis Khan to Bill Cosby. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, last week, uh, I mentioned that we had the contest for the movie Saint Maud, the horror film from A24. And this week, I'm going to go over the winners of said contest. So here are, I'm going to shuffle the names here one more time. And uh, our first winner, I, I don't know if it's DVD or Blu-ray, you're going to get a copy of it, though. Uh, first winner is going to be Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill wins a copy of St. Maud. <sighs> Joe, you want to write these down for me, dude? I'm on it. Dude, you fucking rock, man. I don't know why. It's not like I can't. I should. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Not like I'm doing much over here. Um, <laughs> next winner. Sam Martin. Sam Martin wins. All right. Winner number three. Jesus Christ. Hold on. <laughs> My fucking Monica Garola. God damn it. You ever see Real Genius at the end where Laszlo wins the Frito-Lay shit? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Including the RV, right? The RV, everything. Yeah. That's fucking Monica Garola with these fucking contests. Jesus Christ. All right. Who's the fourth winner? That dude, Keandre. That's that's what he goes by. That's all. That dude, Keandre, wins a copy of St. Maud. Let's see here. Our final winner. Brandon Olson. Brandon Olson. The, the least successful of the Olson children. Brandon. The Olson twins. All right, fuck they off. They were actually triplets, but they just like pushed him out. Oh, He's they, not even one of the other kids. He was the least successful and there were triplets. Instead. I bet there and were that triplets. Joke did not Oh, very well. It didn't. That was terrible. But I think that they probably were triplets. I'm kidding, Brooke. It's fine. They were probably triplets at one time, but those two are so evil, they absorb the other one. And they absorb that one's powers. Oh, my gosh. In the womb. <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a joke, Brooke. I don't know. It's terrible. It's like malignant. <laughs> 
All right, let's see here. Oh, uh, this week, uh, not a contest, but I wanted to tell everybody about something that's pretty nostalgic for me. Uh, Atari has returned with an all-new video game system. Play more games on Atari, Atari VCS. 100 free Atari classics, modern PC games, Xbox games, and so much more. Watch top movie apps like Netflix and Disney. Browse, shop, get work done with Chrome and Gmail. Atari VCS is the new video game system from the company that started it all. Shop now at AtariVCS.com and you can use the promo code POP for $10 off any system. And it's also available at BestBuy.com, GameStop.com, and MicroCenter.com. So yes, the Atari VCS, if we got any uh, Atari fans out there that want to want to scratch that nostalgia itch they've been having i honestly man i tried to i tried to buy an atari i i, I grew up on the atari 400 everybody else had the 2600 we had the 400 my dad was like we got to get the 400 it's got better graphics and it did have better graphics but the problem was they didn't have as many games for the atari 400 we had all the big ones but like there were some of these fringe games that i wanted to play and i couldn't play those because they were on the 2600 it's like fuck so we'd go to we'd go to the toy stores and I'd be looking at the, the those games and they were on the twenty six hundred and I was like God damn it, we got the four hundred. <laughs> yeah, I remember playing Joust on my buddy Josh's Atari way back in the day. It was so much fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have any friends that had the Commodore sixty four? Oh no, I remember friends talking about that when we got older, but I think the only other older gaming system I played was like a ColecoVision that my I cousin played, had. Yeah, I played the old ColecoVision. I don't think those things ever worked. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I remember it was weird. We we did have we had the Atari 2600, but we also had an Odyssey. Oh, yeah. It was like a gigantic yeah. sort of keyboard thing. Yeah, wasn't that for smart kids? We're going to, I guess, I don't know. I used to play games on it. All oh, the there were games on it? I thought it was like a learning thing. I'm sure it had some learning things. I don't remember. I was like four. Whoa, don't get defensive there, Brooke. <laughs> Jeez, nobody's attacking you. Nobody's putting baby in a corner. Settle down. <laughs> oh, no, I'm so offended that. That, that she might be smart. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> oh, no, because um, when, when I was a kid, I was played that and then my dad had given the Atari to his brother so he took it back and so then we so then I got to play the Atari so and then we gave it back to him when I stopped playing it and then when we got it back the last time they had written my cousin's names all all over all the cartridges (laughs) that is a fascinating story Brooke I know right (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's see here. The Atari VCS. Yeah. Yeah. It looks cool. I'll, I'll, I'll post pictures of, uh, of this and then the promotion on our Facebook and Twitter for everybody to check out. $10 off a system. Uh, did I you? Love that it comes with the old school, like, joystick handle too. Yeah. As well as, like, a modern looking controller. You know what the trick was back in the day before they, like, mem- remember when Nintendo had the NES Advantage and it had, like, the, uh, the turbo button on it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And you could shoot faster with the turbo button. Well, on the Atari, we found out when I was a kid, it had like, you know, the joystick and one button. We found out that if you took a paperclip and you, and you put it in between like, 
if you put it in there and you jam the paper clip down in there, it would almost act as a turbo button. So that's how I would play Space Invaders with a little paper clip <laughs> jammed in there and it's got the button down the entire time so I don't have to mash the buttons. That's awesome. Life hacks. Life hack <laughs> yeah, there, Joe. Life hack. Yeah, life <laughs> I remember we found a weird hack like that for, I think it was Mega Man 3 on the original NES, where if you held, like, left on the Player 2 controller, you could jump into pits and then jump right back out of them. Mm. And so we would set up, like, a little folding chair on the floor that nobody would sit in because one of the legs of that folding chair was just holding down the left directional button. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? It was the Double Dragon glitch. Where it was like, there's like a, there's like a ladder and I think you had to use the whip and you had to whip a character like two or three times and then you had to go behind the ladder and then front of the ladder and then the next character that would walk in front of it would float up the ladder like they were being taken like by a fucking UFO. Did you ever? Weird. It was, yeah, you can look, I guarantee there's probably video on it on YouTube. It was the fucking, one of the, I, I don't know if I'm even getting like the, the, the thing right, but like. That's, I kind of rem, I remember, I just remember like the character floating up. Like they were, like they were being transported onto a UFO. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see here. What do, you, what do I want to talk about? How was, uh, how was everybody's Thanksgiving? Now, oh, Brooke, I don't even, I don't even know if I want to ask Brooke how her Thanksgiving was. <laughs> well. Anybody who doesn't know, I was walking my dog and I slipped and fell and cracked my kneecap into three pieces. Oh my god. So right now I'm kinda winning. Ugh. You know. I'm medicated. But yeah. I'm not as fun apparently. No. Or you're... maybe I just think my jokes are funnier <laughs> when I'm not. <laughs> you're you're very you're very introspective, I'll tell you that much. Um <laughs> No, I owe you so much this week. You came on like last uh last notice. I was like it was like this morning I asked you to be on. So I I re- you're saving the episode. Otherwise I'd just be yammering on with Joe and Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh god. <I'm>, I <laughs> I don't know, Brooke, if I could spend 3 4 hours just talking with Joe. So I appreciate it. I'm fucking with you, Joe. <laughs> See, we go on so many tangents. <laughs> just like Carol's in the other room. I really I think wanting to come in here and talk Talk about something because she is just barking up a storm for no reason. Uh, I was. I keep going. I keep looking at cats to adopt. I keep looking at cats. To, I need to stop. I need to stop looking at cats. Aww. Yeah. Oh, I was sad that you didn't get the the three legged cat. Oh, I know the tripod little kitty cat. Yeah, I, I really, I really wanted that cat. Anyway, I was, I was looking at a cat today, and her name was Gracie, and she's a sweetheart. So it, it took me everything not to call. Uh, the Animal Protective League to, uh, to, to not adopt Gracie. But, uh, we'll see. We'll see if I get another cat. Did you see, did you see Hidden Valley? Uh, we're gonna get to the content, everybody. We're gonna talk about Hawkeye. Did you see Hidden Valley Ranch came out with a, with a ranch nog kit? Is this eggnog what? that tastes of ranch? Yeah, it's eggnog. This is this is what they said about it, and it was limited. It was limited quantities, and it already sold out. The holiday season is a time to Come together and celebrate. And what's a celebration without Hidden Valley Ranch? This year, <laughs> I've been to many celebrations without Hidden Valley Ranch. Actually, I don't even know if I've been to one celebration that had Hidden Valley Ranch. 
And I don't know. And if they did, it wasn't like it was a big fucking part of the celebration. It's not like we all walked away and go, oh my God. Oh, that hit. Well, all these Hidden Valley Ranch memories. Hi. The- <laughs> Would you like some carrots and celery? And don't worry, it's Hidden Valley Ranch. Uh, it should it should stay hidden. It should stay hidden. Yeah. That's why you don't hear about it. In in the world of, in the world of condiments, if the, if if hide and go seek was the thing, it could it could stay hidden. I'm not. I don't know. I I got burnt out on ranch. Too much ranch shit. Mm. Uh, Americans consume more than 135 million pounds of eggnog every year. It's a true classic, just like Hidden Valley Ranch. And now fans can combine the two with the limited edition holiday ranch nog kit. And so, yeah, uh, created in partnership with mixologists, whiskey and rosemary, this ranchified take on the iconic, sometimes polarizing drink marries the creamy, slightly sweet elements of eggnog with the savory, cool, and herby flavors of ranch. The Ranch Nog Kit includes two glasses, a gold jigger, Hidden Valley Ranch seasoning packets, and a recipe card to help you mix up this festive cocktail. There you go. It sounds horrifying, dude. I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> I don't want any part. I don't want any part of regular eggnog. And then imagining a tasting mm-hmm. of ranch. Fuck that. Man. Oh, that God. Is- you got to keep me away from fucking eggnog. I love that shit. Oh, oh my God. It is. <laughs> but it's so goddamn fattening. I w- uh, they used to make this shit called birthday cake eggnog. And it tasted. It was like a fucking creamy birthday cake that you just fucking slam. That shit was amazing. Oh. I could go through. I would have loved that. Oh, it was so goddamn good. And then I, I was at Aldi the other day and though, cause they make a cauliflower pizza that I fucking love. Anyway, they had pecan pie eggnog and I had to say no. I had to say no. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I fuck, if I drink one, I'll fuck, I'll, I'll put on 10 pounds just by drinking one. Just by <laughs> drinking one. I'll drink one. I'll put on 10 fucking pounds. No, what you know what you need to buy if you're ever doing like weight gain program, right? Yeah. Lifting or whatever. Fucking eggnog. <laughs> <Get> eggnog. <laughs> oh my eggnog god. Eggnog and just put your protein powder right in. Uh, no shit. <laughs> Fucking I don't know. I I love eggnog. I know it's not for everybody. I, I fucking love it. But it's just like it's just the, like the closest I've ever come to liking it was I remember once when I was a kid I had eggnog ice cream and I was like, Oh, this is pretty fucking good. Yeah, but I've been never been able to do the drink. Oh, I love the drink. I love the drink. And then they got pumpkin spice eggnog that comes out too. Jesus Christ! But I'm so burnt out on the goddamn pumpkin spice bullshit. Everything's pumpkin spice now. I saw. I was. I, saw, I fucking saw pumpkin spice ravioli the other day. Oh no! Fuck right no. off! I think we had some of that. You're you're drunk, Chef Boyardee. Go home. <laughs> yeah. You're fucking drunk. <laughs> I, I really think we had some in our refrigerator and then it got thrown out because, you know, someone else didn't need it. I tell you what I still have in my fucking cabinet that I haven't eaten yet is the fucking Dr. Pepper beans. I got those Dr. Pepper baked beans fucking like oh, two years ago and I still haven't eaten those I fucking things. That. It's still in there. It's got I like, a, about those. it's got an inch of dust on the top of the can because I ain't going to fucking eat it. It's just going to, it's going to sit there until I'm like super drunk one night and it's the only fucking thing here. And then I'll crack it open and try the Dr. Pepper beans. Yeah. I mean, at least you know what you're going to have for the zombie apocalypse to eat. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's true. Now, I, for the zombie apocalypse, I'm going to be dinner for somebody. So I won't, I won't <laughs> last long. Fans of cannibals. All the, 
Exactly. I'll, somebody's going to be eating me. The, the fucking can of beans is going to last longer than me. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Let's jump into. All right. Let's jump into. Um, oh, did. Uh, yeah, everybody knows about Black Friday. Have you ever heard of Brown Friday? <laughs> yeah, it's the, it, is that it, when your Thanksgiving dinner comes back to haunt you? Yeah, it, it, that's exactly what it is. It, uh, it's what plumbers call Black Friday. They call it Brown Friday because it's like one of their busiest fucking days because oh, no. families gather together and everybody fucking eats all this garbage and then they fucking drop drop ass. And they just, yeah, they, they shit like crazy, all this greasy food and shit, and they clog up the toilets. So plumbers call it Brown Friday. True story. <laughs> so gnarly. True story, man. Ooh. Right. Wow. I know, um, at the, not having to do with that, but, but Thanksgiving at the emergency room, it was really busy. And they were saying that it's usually not on Thanksgiving, you know, because it's after all of that when people get sick, but, yeah, I was there four hours. That wasn't fun. Was anybody in there with like a clearly turkey related injury? <sighs> guy, uh, guy walks in with a turkey on his head. I was <laughs> <laughs> to say, if not, like movie and TV shows are bullshit. <laughs> You're like, the ER like on a holiday. Had, like has choked on the wishbone because they just ate the whole thing <laughs> or whatever. They're just like, uh, I can't close my mouth. I've got a wishbone in it. Some guy was stuffing a turkey with his dick and got it caught in there. <laughs> He's just sitting over in the corner with like a big bulge under a jacket that everybody knows because they can smell the stuffing. He's fucking. Oh he's got like a hotel robe on and a fucking <laughs> turkey wrapped around his crotch. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think my cock piercing got caught on mm. the internal thermometer. Mm. Talk about stuffing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's gross, fucking a dead animal. That's disgusting. <laughs> That's pretty gnarly. That's pretty gross. You know, at least that kid from American Pie just banged a pie. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, there's a hierarchy of foods that you can fucking... Yeah. <laughs> kind of socially get away with, right? Yeah, a dead animal carcass is not something I'm putting on my dick. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's like... It's, it's like the last in line of things that I want to fuck. <laughs> Uh, what a humiliating thing to do to an animal, too. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know somebody's done it, though, Joe. Oh, without a doubt. Without, without a doubt. Somebody has done that. I'm thinking back to that classic Sam Kinison bit. About, about your your dead laying on the fucking slab and someone comes in and starts fucking your corpse. And he's like, you made life keeps fucking you even after you're dead. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, was, I did not n- know that when I agreed to do this, we were going to turn to necrophilia so quickly. <laughs> I, hey, we don't know the roads this podcast is going to take, bro. <laughs> we don't know. One minute we're talking about the Atari VCS. The next minute we're talking about fucking a dead animal carcass. So you never know. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, remember to use the code POP for $10 off your Atari VCS. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) Oh, 
man. <laughs> I, just I want thinking, you to think about this when you're having that leftover turkey sandwich. I was just thinking, like, <laughs> if it was a popular thing to do, you know that they'd have blow-up turkeys for guys to, <laughs> for guys to fuck. And do you think they'd be really seasonal this time of year? Oh, well, definitely. I want to fuck turkeys this yeah. time of year. <laughs> It's like, oh man, all all the pleasure of fucking a turkey without the mess. <laughs> all I gotta do is deflate it. Authentic oh. feathers. Feel this beak, bro. This beak feels real. Alright, <laughs> uh, let's see. It's got the little gobbler thing on its neck. <laughs> yeah, it's, I like to hang on to that when I'm. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's there for, right? Yeah. Brooke, are you happy you joined this episode? Sure. Yeah, all right. I'm glad I can be here for all of it. Brooke's like, there's not enough drugs that they could put me on. (laughs) (laughs) Brooke doesn't let me have any more morphine. Brooke's Brooke's actually thinking about shattering the other knee right now to get out of this. No. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> She's I, it's a good she, joke, but that hurt. Yeah, it hurt real bad. I can't imagine three fucking pieces. No, mm-hmm. fuck that. Ow, that. that I thought it just moved. I thought I just. Oh, there goes my ice bag. Um, I thought it just moved my kneecap up because that's what it looked like. And then I had an X-ray, and they're like, "Sorry, man, it's in three pieces." Oh, jeez. Oh, fun. So, oh. and I can't even go to a doctor until Monday the orthopedic doctor to find out whether I get a cast or surgery and then a cast. Mm, so now you got that weighing on you. Mm. That sucks. Oh, well. well best. I'm seriously, I wish you the best and I hope that it's, uh, I hope it's not bad. So um, I appreciate it. Yeah. And in the meantime, if people, you know, want to maybe go to my website and buy some of the t-shirts, designs i've done on things that will really probably help with this ambulance bill i'm gonna have to pay well what's your what's your website um floridaloo.com is my website and it's got links to all the places i have all my stuff so all right f-l-e-u-r-d-e-l-o-u.com there you go help help brooke out help out a fellow army member help out a fallen soldier yeah i didn't even have they were like do you have your insurance card and i'm just like do i fucking look like i had my insurance card i'm covered in dirt because i was laying on a parking lot for 30 minutes waiting for the ambulance yeah i i, I was carrying my insurance card while i was going out for a walk yeah uh, well, i was taking the dog for a walk i thought i might need my insurance card yeah uh let's jump into uh hawkeye dropped on disney plus uh, i believe it's just going to be six episodes the series yep. yeah six episodes of hawkeye and uh they dropped the first two. Um I guess we can, you know, go ahead and rate the episodes. Let's rate them individually. And if this is your first time listening to Pop Culture Leftovers, I'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. And it's not fucking playing. I know why. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Man, Joe, this episode's like a well-oiled machine, isn't it, man? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just watch, man. <laughs> it's like a well-lubricated turkey. <laughs> 
I'm about to fuck. Um, <laughs> yeah. Talk about Butterball. <laughs> oh, that almost got Rockstar everywhere. That was good, Brooke. <laughs> All right. And you said the jokes weren't good. They were good. That was a good one, Brooke. Thanks. Butterball. Um, let's see here. Yeah, let's, I guess we can rate these, uh, separately. Brooke, what did you think about the, uh, first two episodes, uh, episodes of Hawkeye? Um, I, I had a lot of fun with them. I was kind of worried. Um, right now I'm just gonna be like cautiously optimistic and I'm just gonna, cause I had fun with them. I, you're just gonna give them taste its, probably high taste its, cause I really liked them, but, I don't want to go, you know, I, I need to see the whole season before I know if it all worked out right. But, yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I get that. I get some people. I, I, like, I, I rate them. If I love that first episode, it doesn't matter what the rest of it does. I'll just, mm-hmm. I'll rate mm-hmm. it. But I get it. So it was just for you. It's just, uh, was it like a taste it for the first one, high taste it for the second, or just both of them high taste it? Mm, I'd say... I, I enjoyed the first one, but I liked the second one better because they were both together finally in the second one. So I'd say the first one was a little lower than the second one. I like the second one better. Okay, so taste it and high taste it, right? Yeah. All right, there we go. Joe, what'd you think? Yeah, these have both been high taste it's for me so far. I, I went into this show with really high expectations. Uh, I'm a really big fan of the, the source material, and... Uh, it, it was good. This, they were, they were really good episodes. They, there wasn't really anything in them that totally blew me away, but I'm totally engaged with what's going on. I love this kind of murder mystery plot that they've got going on. And, um, the, the time jump at the beginning, I, I think it, it revealed some, some potentially interesting stuff that's going to be going on in this season as well. So just high taste it's for both of them right now but when all six episodes are said and done if it really sticks the lang or sticks the landing um you know the the those ratings may raise in the future mm-hmm. i yeah. agree that's, yeah that's kind of where i'm at i'm with brooke I, I think the first episode was okay i'm glad that they released two because if they would have just released the first one i would have been super <laughs> let down yeah, um, so it's good that they released the first two because I think collectively it's better than just like the one. Uh, I'll give the first one just a solid taste it because I did enjoy it. Um, and then the second one, I'll give it a high taste it, but uh, not quite at a Tupperware yet. Um, but uh, I, I am enjoying it quite a bit. I do want to like jump into some of the. We're going to break it down a little bit. I want to get into some of like the theories and some of like the, uh, you know, things that could be going on in the series, what, what might be coming out of the series. And, um, I want to start off with, you know, there's, there's this at the beginning of the, of, of the first episode, it's, it, it flashes to 2012 and we're going to jump here into the, the battle of New York. And uh, the Chitari and, and and that whole thing. But before all this happens, uh, we see you know the family together, young Kate and uh, her mother Eleanor, and then uh, Derek um, is, is her father, and they're kind of arguing. It looks like uh, it. It looks like they're having some financial problems, and and they're talking about selling the penthouse and. 
and uh, she, the mother sees it as, as a solution. And um, then she says, Eleanor says to Derek, maybe growing up here, you thought a solution would fall out of the sky, but it won't. I thought that that was a very interesting thing to say with what happens in, in, in a little bit. I, I'll jump back back to that. But uh, we get a look inside of uh, uh, young Kate Bishop's room and we see pictures of her. And there's a picture of there's also a picture of her mom doing a handstand on the edge of the Grand Canyon. So they're kind of alluding to that. She's got some athleticism as well. Like this might be where Kate gets it from. And there's this big rumor that, you know, she could be uh, Madame Mask from the comics. So she could be the villain Madame Mask. Joe, are you, are you, oh. are you, are you buying that? Or is that something that you've also been seen? You know, we, I actually, yeah. we talked about it. I, I talked about this, this possible, you know, connection, um, you know, weeks, months ago when we first started talking about Hawkeye. But what do you think, Joe? Yeah, I'm absolutely buying that connection. They, at least so far in these first two episodes, I think they're they're laying some groundwork that uh, the mom is definitely involved with some shady stuff, and and really, I think it could be more both parents. Um, I I think we're kind of led to believe that her dad dies right at the beginning of this, but yeah. um, Brian Darcy, the the actor, uh, or no, Brian Darcy James is the, the actor and they de-aged him for that scene. And so what's the point of de-aging somebody if we're not going to see an older version of him? I, I he's, yeah. he's listed for, for more episodes too. Yeah. But you never, with, with IMDB, you never really know, but I think they might be correct on this one, Brooke. I, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so they might, you know, that detail might, <laughs> in IMDB or wherever you read that, that might be legit. I, we never saw her dad's body. So Mm-mm. I have that in my notes too, Joe. That we never see her dad's body. Exactly. And it would it would make sense how she how the mom if the mom was into some shady business how she would have ended up with uh, Jack or you know Jacques the swordsman. Yeah, Jack. They call they call him Jack. Duquesne. That's what their last. I was like, what is their last? Yeah. Name? Yeah. Um, we see this whole scene. I, I really like this, the whole scene of the, of, uh, uh, when the Chitari attack does happen. Um, we see part of the penthouse. There's a, it has been blown up and, and Kate's looking out the window, seeing the Chitari coming at her. And then an arrow hits that, uh, Chitari fucking little, I don't know, that rider, those flying riders that they have, blows it up and she sees Hawkeye doing his, you know, jumping off the building and shooting the arrows and killing. And so what I liked about that a lot was the fact that it really showed how heroic Clint Barton is. Because, like, when you're watching all the action in the Avengers movie from 2012 – you're seeing them all work as a unit and you're mostly seeing a lot of heroic stuff out of Cap, you know, like Cap is like mm-hmm. the guy on the ground and he's telling like, you know, the police to set up this and do that and whatever. Like he's the one very vocal and we do get to see Clint doing heroic stuff, but we don't get to see it like in this kind of context where he's mm-hmm. actually, we see someone's life that he saved. And so it makes Clint a hero in this moment. And we see that Clint is a hero to Kate Bishop in her eyes. And it's like a really cool fucking thing, especially like 
later on after the dad is, you know, they're, they're holding the funeral and she says to her mom, which I thought was really a weird kind of thing for her mom to say. She says, oh God, where is it? She says, um, Oh, I can't find it. Did I not put it in my notes? I hate it when I do this and I can't find fucking shit. Oh, she said, um, what if they come that Kate look, Kate says, what if they come back? And she's talking about the Chitari and the mom says they won't come back. And she says, how do you know? And then goes on to say that the heroes took care of them. But like, how, how does she not know? Like that, it made me think to myself, like, is, is, and I don't know if this is, I kept thinking, like, is she a fucking scroll? <laughs> scroll watch is going strong, man. You, you have to. You cannot put scroll watch aside in phase four. I know. And that's see, valid. With secret invasion me, coming up. Just as a, a mother trying to comfort a child. Yeah. And, and then, you know, kind of her being, having the, the, you know, the, the agency to be like, no, I'm not buying you telling me that you need to buy me a bow and arrow. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't want to sit here and think that everyone's a scroll because I know, you know, Secret Wars is coming and all that kind of thing. Yeah, because I don't want it to be another Mephisto <laughs> for people who don't end up being scrolls. Well, I mean, I, I have to ask these questions, though, yeah. you know, because like there's there's certain things and. In, in all the episodes. And, you know, I'm glad we had those Mephisto discussions because, mm-hmm. you know, even though Mephisto didn't show up, I mean, what if he did? What if he had shown up? So you have to have these discussions. And I, there's a lot of stuff in, in, even in this episode that I think that you got to try to pick apart, even though a lot of the stuff probably won't happen. There's a lot of stuff that you do need to question here that's going on. Like the fact that, um, they keep on, uh, you know, later in the episode, we find out that, you know, uh, Armand, Jack's, uh, Jack's dad has been murdered. And we're... It's his <laughs> uncle in this. Oh, it's his uncle. They keep, they keep, um, trying to push it off on us as the viewer that, like, oh, Jack is the one that did it. You know, Jack is, mm-hmm. you know, look, he was killed with a sword. Jack is good with a sword. Why did he buy the Chitari sword at the auction? And, like, then we see, like, the, you know, the, the hard candy come back, you know, like, you know, she, she goes into the room and sees Armand's dead body and there's the, the, the embossed hard candies with their name on it and shit. And, and later on Jack offers her one. So like, we're led to believe that it's Jack the, is, is the one that's, that killed Armand. Maybe it's not Jack. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's his uncle that he was kind of close with. So why wouldn't he have some of his candies in his pocket? Like, you know, there's so many things. They made such a big deal of it, though, Brooke, to show us that yeah, he's... it's it's red herring stuff. It's yeah. too early in the season for them to be just blatantly yeah. showing us who the bad guy is. Because I mean, and he's literally, like, a mustache-twirling guy. I was going to say, he was I one mean, just step the whole away. All he had to do is twirl that mustache. Guys, right? we're, ta- we're talking over each other. That's one at a time, one at a time. <laughs> The whole thrust of this plot here, I mean, we're led to not like this guy because we're mm-hmm. meeting him, you know, from from Kate's point of view. And she mm-hmm. does not like this guy. She doesn't want him being close to her mom and then dangling it in front of us also that, oh, he's likely, you know, the killer. It's like, nah, it's mm-hmm. too much. Mm-hmm. And and that's partly what leads me to believe that that there's more to the mom than than we're 
than than we're ultimately seeing yet, you know? Well, when she says, you know, early in the episode, maybe growing up here, she's talking to, to Derek, the father, maybe growing up here you thought a solution will fall out of the sky, but it won't. Did she... Is that what actually happened here? Um, the Chitari came out of the sky. Was that her solution? Was that her solution is to maybe kill Derek in this moment? That way she can collect some sort of like insurance money because they are having financial problems. Maybe there's like a, you know, some kind of insurance on him and his death. And, or maybe he, maybe, maybe, maybe Derek set it up to fake his own death to help the family. Yeah, that's what I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's, what, like 20 years later, and she's still living in that penthouse. Oh, yeah, that money came from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then... Uh, uh, we were talking about this, some little behind-the-scenes, y'all. We were talking about this before uh, we started recording, but there was a video where someone put it side-by-side, -side, the Avengers uh, scene with Hawkeye jumping off the building, par parallel to the scene in this and um, they match up so well, and it's really amazing. And one of the things that I was thinking about watching it is that, you know, he goes through the window, and then he hits the ground, and he's just like, oh, because Hawkeye is a person. But from Kate's point of view, he's just amazing, and he's a hero. But then when we get to see her doing that kind of stuff, she kind of gets beat up, and she's like, oh, you know, kind of too sometimes. So Cause she is also only a person. So. Well, the thing is, though, um, when when Hawkeye goes crashing through the window after that, like he's laying on his back and he's all beat up. She just didn't get to see that part in Avengers. Yeah, she didn't see that. To her, he was a hero and he was, she's probably was imagining him going through the window and then running. And that's not what we know because we were privy to the other part. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I, I, I absolutely love the, the fact that they incorporated like her origin story being part of like, um, 2012. I think it's really smart for them to show us what we know from like different mm -hmm. points of view um, that we can connect with because we all, as Marvel fans, we all know about the Battle of New York. We all know about like that final climactic battle in Avengers. And so to take us there and then also to take her character and put her in the middle of that action connects us with Kate. And I think that that's really cool. And it's, di yes, it's different from the Fraction comic, which they're taking a lot of inspiration from. You know, like in the Fraction comic, it's actually Hawkeye that lives in like the loft above the pizza place that she lives in. And, and, um, and, and in this, she's living there. But I love it. I, I still love what they're taking from the MCU and taking from the comic and like blending them together. You know, so I, I think, I think they did a really good job with with all of that um i do want to talk about you know we go to the 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 fundraiser and there's the black market auction that's going on and they're selling the ronin sword they're selling the ronin costume and um looks like jack steals the sword and, and when when the tracksuit mafia show up and blow it all up and now we've got Kate running around in the Ronin suit and everything and fighting these guys. Um, Jack picks up the Ronin sword. That, like, that's definitely coming back into play. We're definitely going to be seeing him use that sword. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that I, that's part of the... Us seeing him do that 
was also part of, I feel like, that red herring of, oh, he kills his uncle because oh, yeah. he just got that sword, so of course he did, but doesn't have to... I mean, her mom also had a fight with his uncle. Yes. I mean, anybody could have been after him. Well, he says, Other like, Armand... We're probably going to mention. Armand says to her, like, I have, you know, I have powerful friends. You know, I have, um, I have powerful friends... Uh, what's the exact quote? God, my notes are so fucking crazy. He said, I also have powerful friends. I know what I saw. Yeah. It, who is he talking about as far as his par- Ooh, powerful friends? I think, I think he saw, I think he saw Derek still alive. I think he caught a glimpse of Derek still alive and he was like, what the fuck? You, you should have died in 2012. Mm-hmm. I like that. Explain this to me because I'm lost, Joe. Okay, so so Derek, in, in, so my theory is that Kate's father, Derek, faked his death in 2012 during the Battle of New York, and he's been kind of doing you know stuff behind the scenes. Uh huh. I think that he's still somehow in you know cahoots with his wife or whatever, and I think he's doing stuff behind the scenes, and I think that this guy saw him, like caught a glimpse of him somewhere, knows that he's still alive. And that's what he brought up with Eleanor. And that's why he's saying, I know what I saw, meaning I I saw him still alive. And she's like, no, you you don't know what you saw. Okay. Okay. That's what I think. I'm following. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, that's a great theory. I hadn't even, I hadn't even considered that. I considered that he was still alive, that maybe he faked his death. But yeah, as far as like Armand being privy to that information. Yeah. I didn't think about that. And so like, He's a problem. So, so at this point, since he's a problem, who would have taken him out? It could have been, it could have been Derek that actually killed him. Yeah, totally. Could have been Derek. It could have been Eleanor herself if she is Madame Mask. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, I don't think it's Jack. I do think that he is going to be kind of like a swordsman type character that we're going to see in this, but I don't think it's Jack. I think that's definitely like you're saying, red herring shit. It's just too easy. Yeah. It's just too easy. It, it, it this, at this point in the show, being just episodes one and two, it's way too easy, way too early for them to be saying this is absolutely it. It, in setting him up so that you, he's just immediately detestable, right? He just feels yeah. icky and you don't like him. And so it would almost be a better twist if, if he ends up actually being a good guy that helps them out by the end. But yeah. you know, if they keep him, you know, like, uncertain throughout all of it and then when he does step in you think he's going to be the bad guy he actually does some good stuff yeah i mean because he could have just taken that oh sorry go ahead there's only supposed to be six episodes right yeah yeah okay yeah i mean because he could have just taken that second episode is too early yeah i mean he could have just taken that sword just because he was right there why not take it he said he wanted it anyways clearly obsessed with swords and very Mm -hmm. good with one yeah, it doesn't well, necessarily it, it, mean he's a killer. And, you know, uh, his uncle was winning it, and he said he was going to inherit it anyway. So, whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, what do you think of the sword being collapsible? When we, when we saw, you know, Hawkeye Ronan using it in Endgame, he had a sheath that he carried it in. Yeah, I, I think that, like, is that new? I don't, or, or was it always like that? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Or did though. they just make it like this just for convenience of plot? You know, yeah. how else is he going to sneak a, a big sword out of the basement of this, you know, 
black auction, yeah. black market auction that just got bombed, or or is there a reason that they made it collapsible just to make it more cool? Yeah, yeah, that's something that stuck with me from that episode. Yeah, I didn't even. I I I I, I was kind of taken aback the fact that it was collapsible because we hadn't seen it do that, um, to my knowledge, in Endgame. No. And so yeah, to get it out of there it just makes it convenient. For, for the show at that point, you know? <laughs> and it does I, make it more cool. Like, yeah. how do you make I Hawkeye's wondered, sword more cool? I wondered if maybe, because at first I was like, that, his sword didn't do that, did it? And then when I realized it didn't, I thought maybe it was like, oh yeah, this is the Ronin sword, so they could sell it for more money because it came from somewhere else or something. You know what I mean? Like, it could have been somebody else's and they could have just... I don't know. No, I think it, it could I think, have just been for convenience, but I just feel like I, I think it's all stuff that like all these all these things were labeled from the Avengers compound after after it kind of like blew up and shit. So a lot of the I mean, we saw some of the stuff that didn't even get to be put on the market. One of the things that I want to talk about right now is actually the watch that we see. Yeah. And that's what the I was going to ask oh, about yeah. that too. The tracksuit mafia is not even there for you know the the suit or the. Or the sword, they're actually there for this watch. So there's, there's, there are some theories of like what, what's the deal with the watch? And, and, um, some people are saying that this could, uh, this could be the spark that ignites armor wars and the watch that they're, uh, looking for could be kind of like, uh, uh, Tony Stark tech. Um, you know, we saw the Iron Man gauntlet, um, watch like, uh, in the one in Civil War, and this could be, uh, more Iron Man tech, and they're trying to get their hands on some Iron Man tech here. This watch could be Iron Man tech, and, um, we might be seeing, this might be like, you know, uh, the beginning of what we see in Armor Wars, where all this Stark tech is still out there, and you've got other people trying to get their hands on it. You know, these guys might, they could possibly work for Justin Hammer. Um, they could probably, they might be with, with, with somebody else trying to get a hold of this tech. I mean, there's, there's, you know, rumors that Kingpin's gonna show up in this series. You know, uh, big rumors that he's gonna show up in episodes four, five, and six is we're gonna get P- Kingpin. Maybe Kingpin's trying to get his hands on, on this Stark tech. Um, also, I wanted to point out that the label on the watch says Avengers Compound lot 268 and in the avengers comic book avengers 268 uh that features the villain king the conqueror um this could be possibly you know we know kate bishop might lead or be a part of the young avengers when and if that does happen which i think it is going to happen um this could be kind of like the uh the the origin story the uh, the beginnings of Iron Lad, you know, the the young version of Kang the Conqueror. Um, we saw in the Loki series that Stark, there was a Stark Tower, but it wasn't Stark Tower. It was a the Kang Corporation, and like that was that was that was like a, a multiverse kind of like Kang that that took over, you know, Stark Tower. This could be, you know, um, <laughs> this could be the beginnings of Iron Lad. And, uh, you know, we, we thought that maybe, you know, in, in the comics, Iron Lad is, um, an ancestor of Reed Richards, Nathaniel Richards, 
Um, but this, I think if they do it in the MCU, it could be like, uh, if they do Iron Lad, it, it would definitely be a, a descendant of, uh, of Tony Stark. And Kang would be a dis, excuse me, Kang would be a descendant of Tony Stark. So. Right. Um, well, I was like, it's like you said Nathaniel, I'm like, ooh, ooh, can it just be his, uh, Clint's kid? Because that's what they named their last kid. But no, I just, you know, trying to connect nothing <laughs> over here. No, I think it's well, I think it's bigger than than Clint. I I mean, if if it's a Kang connection, it's going to be something to do with the Fantastic Four or or Tony because like they've been using Tony as you know we saw Tony was the one that created Ultron, not Hank Pym in the comics, and and I don't know how much of a connection Kang's going to have with the Fantastic Four. We know the movie's being made, but I mean it. it I think that it, I think that Kang definitely could be like a descendant of, of Tony Stark. That could totally work. And, you know, they've also been, they, they've, they've mentioned a few times that, that, you know, Tony sold that building that had been Avengers Tower. And in Loki, in the void, we saw that one building that was Avengers Tower and it said Kang. On. Yeah, I did. I mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah, in the Loki series. Yeah, it, yeah. it was spelled Q, it was like Q-E-N-G, Kang, but yeah, it's like, yeah. that was, it was Kang, Kang the Conqueror in the comics that owned the building. Um, yeah, so maybe that is more Iron Lad stuff then. It could be. I mean, it's, at this point, I mean, who knows, I, I, it could be, it could be the setup for stuff that we're gonna see in Armor Wars, or it could be, I, I or it could be more Kang stuff. I have no idea. But there's definitely, something important going on with that watch and um we're getting yelena belova in this series Mm -hmm. is the rumor that she's gonna i've heard the rumor she's gonna show up in episode three oh but i don't know Mm. that was the rumor that was out months ago um but the you know the biggest rumor is gonna be that uh kingpin how many people are they gonna have in this well, we don't. All the rumors are true. We don't know. I mean, we, Brooke. That's what we do on this show: is we speculate. What? <laughs> we got to. We got to speculate. I, mean, I, I guess we I guess can't leave. I can't leave any stones unturned on this show. That's true. I was say. I guess maybe it's because I, you know, I, I, I don't listen anymore or whatever. I've got. Th- thank you for the reminder there. I, I appreciate <laughs> that. That it's always. <laughs> A, that's a hey, at least I was listening to you when you were talking. Joe brought up something you just said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how I missed that then. I don't know how you missed it. It was really <laughs> funny to me. <laughs> Oops. Uh, let's see here. Um, what was I gonna gonna bring up? I was gonna talk about in an, in an interview recently. Um, the uh, executive producer Trin Tran um, was talking. On on Twitter, they 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 post. It was MCU news updates tweeted during an interview. Executive producer Trin Tran almost gave away which episode the rumored Kingpin cameo will happen in Hawkeye. And it, I mean, they're they're saying that you know Kingpin. You know, they're 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 putting it out there that it's Kingpin, but they're actually just talking about Echo. I do want to play this <laughs> though because she almost says. She says a word that starts with an F and then she kind of backs off. She's either going to say the fourth or fifth, but I want to play this and yeah, let me, let me play this interview. It's only about 15 seconds here. I would like to talk about 
Echo. Why was Hawkeye the perfect place to bring her into the MCU? That is such a great question that I wish I can answer. I get it. I get um, it. I get it. Okay. We need to sure. speak after you've seen okay. Okay. The, okay. the rest of the episodes. I'm- she goes after the... F- and then she stops herself and says the rest of the episode. So she almost said an F word, not fuck. But she almost said an F <laughs> word. It sounded like she was going to say fourth or fifth. And he's talking about they're ask He's asking about Echo. And the thing is, in the comics, Echo has connections with Kingpin, you know, so it's almost like a Thanos Gamora type of relationship where, you know, he kind of like had her trained as an assassin. So, Yes, they could definitely change that. She might not have connections with the Kingpin. We might, you know, we might be getting our hopes up for Vincent D'Onofrio showing up in this series and maybe he will, maybe he won't. I mean, you know, the rumors are out there. Vincent D'Onofrio has been liking a lot of tweets and he's really excited for the Hawkeye series. Maybe he's trolling us. Maybe he isn't. Maybe he <laughs> is going to show up. Maybe we're going to be blown away by the fourth episode. There's also, if she's not part of you know anything kingpin related in this disney plus series uh we do get to see a little bit of echo at the end uh we got a lock a lockwood cox playing um echo and we got to see her at the very end of the second episode and what i do want to point out is that she's bathed in this red light so there's the rumor that maybe she is formerly a black widow Maybe she came out of the red room. Oh. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Be a lot cooler if she was connected to the kingpin. Well, yeah. But I'm super (laughs) excited about her because they went all the way and got a Native American who actress who is deaf to play Echo. And it's... I was so excited. And she looked cool, so I can't wait be interesting to see what they do with her relationship with Clint because of him going him and his hearing loss. And so I think like, uh, you know, he, he could go fully deaf here. And so there might be a, like a relationship between those two. She's already getting her own series, I believe too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're getting an echo series. So this is going to be kind of like her origin story, but, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Joe, what do you think? Could she be part of the Red Room? Put one of the, uh, one of the, one of these widows that, you know, at the end of Black Widow, we saw, you know, they're free from the Red Room. And, uh, you know, we even saw one of the widows show up in, uh, in a fight at, uh, in, in, during, uh, Shang-Chi in one of those, uh, you know, private matches that were going on. Could she be one of these ex-widows? Being the, the Black Widow was one of these releases of Phase 4, you know, th- there would be a thread that they could do it that way, but I think it would be better if they do the comic accurate origin and, and with all this stuff and, and Vincent D'Onofrio just popping up everywhere on Twitter. Either he's doing some just massive trolling or, or he really is going to be in this. And that would just be such a good thread, you know, if they do follow more of her comic origin, having her connected to, to Kingpin and then kind of the, the truth of, you know, kind of what happens with her father and stuff. And then it, it brings them back around to, to the side of right. And it would also be a really similar journey that we're probably going to see Yelena take with Clint, right? Where these people are getting put in his path saying, Hey, he's a bad guy. Go take him out. And then in the midst of that struggle, they're likely going to learn the truth of it, that he is a good guy. 
Yeah, you say it. Okay, I understand what you're saying, and you're you're coming from like a comic fan's point of view. But on the flip side, yeah. if you look at if you look at like the overall kind of like thread that the MCU's been laying out, like comic books aside, what the MCU's been laying out is Clint has like this relationship, had this relationship with Natasha throughout all these movies. And the, there's a lot of comparisons here. If she comes from the Red Room, if she had been brainwashed at one time, maybe he's looking at, like, you know, helping her and getting her out of this whole thing. You know, maybe he looks with, at her as, like, Natasha. With, with Yelena in the show, are they already filling that role of there's somebody here that that's coming from the Red Room? Yeah, that's true as well. I mean, yeah, that's true as well. I hadn't even – I hadn't considered that – because if Echo and Yelena are both in this series and they're both from the Red Room, that would be a connection that those two would have. So, I mean, that could be a strengthening bond. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. And especially if Yelena's out for blood on Clint also. I'm with you. I would rather her come from Kingpin and have, like, this whole connection with Daredevil and all this shit. And, you know, because I'm looking forward, I'm, you know, looking forward to, like, what we think could be, like, the return of Charlie Cox Daredevil once we get in. Same. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say, that, you know, it would be great to have Kingpin in this. And then since, you know, we think that from, you know, certain rumors and photographs and things that... Charlie Cox is going to be reprising his Matt Murdock role like that would be so cool because then they would all be connected because Kingpin is a was a bad was one of a bad guy for Spider-Man too like it's not just it's great I, I'm just excited about all the content I, I'm excited too but like at the end of the day if like none of this fucking pans out I'm going to be like oh fuck it's, yeah it's Mephisto all over again but even worse because we have connections with you know, Charlie Cox as Daredevil and Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin. It's like, I do not want to be let down by this. So the closer we get, like, the more kind of, like, worried about it I get. Because it's like, I really want to see these guys come back and, and play these characters again now. Because, like, uh, it's been such a fucking tease over the past few weeks. With everything speaking I've read of, and uh, everything, you know. Sorry. No, go ahead. Let's say, speaking of Kingpin, have you heard the rumors that it's going to be the huge version of him? I hate it's that. It's kind of a, a yeah. mix of like a you know a, a bodysuit and a little bit of CGI. Yeah, I depending on how it's done, I could like it. But if they make it, yeah, fuck too it. weird. It's like, fuck that. Listen, I, I, the no. tiny head and the gigantic body in Into the Spider Verse is great. Yeah, I don't need it for the MCU. Though. I love that. Yeah, we don't need that in live action. Yeah. yeah, it's great for the it's great for the animated stuff, but it's like we got Vincent D'Onofrio, he was great. We didn't I don't need to see fucking this tiny little head and this huge body and shit. <laughs> Looking like fat bastard. I, yeah. Osteoporosis, yes. I don't need that. Yeah, I just give me just give me get Vincent D'Onofrio back. I'll be happy for, happy with that. So that's just me though. All right. Yeah, but I, I enjoyed the first two episodes. Um Looking forward to episode three. Really looking forward to episode four because I think once episode four hits, if we don't see Kingpin, we can just kind of be like, okay, it's not happening. All right. <laughs> what did you think of the musical number before we move away from this? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I knew somebody was going to talk about this. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I was, you know, I, they did it really well. It looks awesome, but I was more like, when you look at like the Barton family as they're watching it, that's how I'm watching it. <laughs> cringe, totally. Right? It was total cringe. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I had that reaction too and immediately turned to my kids and I was like, it's no Agatha all along. No. <laughs> like that was a fucking banger. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, – that's what people usually think of like Broadway shows because it's a lot of cheese and like goofy stuff. Sometimes they're better than that. But, yeah, I was I, – I thought it was funny and it was fun that they did a thing like that and I loved – seeing all their faces <laughs> like there's Ant-Man on the stage and Clint's like I was there <laughs> he wasn't yeah it's it's funny though like because you think of like fanboys probably watching it and they're like Ant-Man wasn't there and it's like thank you Clint for addressing that because we, we know that he wasn't there yeah mm. anyway <laughs> daughter's like you look cool <laughs> Let's uh let's move on into good pop bad pop. Time for more leftover reviews with good pop bad pop. All right, good pop bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. You've heard our rating system, toss it, taste it, Tupperware. Um, real quick, uh, I'm still uh, watching Yellow Jackets. Uh, the second episode came out on Showtime, and I'm still loving that show. So yeah, I think if you have a Showtime subscription, definitely watch it. Um, I haven't even started. I haven't started Big Mouth season five, and I haven't started F is for Family season uh, season five, and I haven't. Joe, have you started the new um, He Man Masters of the Universe part two? No, I haven't either. Not yet. Not yet. I'm still loving Swagger. I'm on season five of Friends. If anyone is curious where I am in my Friends watch, I'm in season five. I think like I'm in the first, I think I'm like on episode five or something of season five. So yeah, still enjoying Friends. Great show. Really funny. Almost I, at the halfway point. Almost at the halfway point. I hate Ross. Ross is a, such a, Ross is like one of the worst <laughs> human beings ever, in my opinion. Yeah. Ross is okay. terrible. He, the, the character doesn't age well, in my opinion. Mm. Very self-centered. I mean, he wasn't all that great back then either. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I just, I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't, I just remember like the whole Ross and Rachel relationship and I thought everybody thought it was all sweet and shit. Anyway, I, now that I'm watching him, he's, I'm just like, I just do not like Ross at all. Um, let's see here. Um, Let's jump into the, some of the things. And Brooke, I, you probably didn't get a chance to watch everything because you know you just found out about this today. But uh, Joe, did you get a chance to watch Kevin Garnett? Anything is possible. I did. You did. Um, Feature length documentary following Kevin Garnett's remarkable career and pivotal moments that defined it. Garnett became the first high school player to be drafted by the NBA in 20 years, paving the way for future legends like Kobe Bryant and LeBron James. His years with Minnesota Timberwolves made him a superstar, but it was his move to Boston Celtics that made him a champion and cemented his legacy as a basketball icon, featuring a wide range of dynamic voices, including Paul Pierce, Doc Rivers, Allen Iverson, and Snoop Dogg. And so, yeah, um, I uh, I remember when he got drafted. I remember when he was playing with Minnesota. This guy was just, this guy was a fucking beast. We're talking, you know, 6'10", 6'11", long, lanky, athletic as fuck. Um, and uh, for the longest time, when Kevin Garnett was playing, everybody was looking for the next Kevin Garnett. Everybody was looking for the next Kevin Garnett. I remember when the Bulls 
um, traded Elton Brand to the Los Angeles Clippers for Tyson Chandler. Bulls basically were hoping that Tyson Chandler was going to be the next Kevin Garnett. Tyson Chandler, seven foot one, long, lanky, athletic, never good player. I, he was he's decent, better of the two when you're comparing him to the other guy he got drafted with, Eddie Curry. But oh man, he just never turned into Kevin Garnett. Darius Miles was another guy, another guy that they were hoping to be the, like the next Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett's do not grow on trees. This guy played like a guard, but he was a he could also. I mean, he was like. He could play, you know, he could play anywhere. He could play basically, if he wanted to play point, he could probably play point all the way up to the power forward position. And he was just super athletic, one of the most dominant players to ever play the game. And when they had, like, the NBA at 75, he got inducted into, like, the 75 greatest players of all time. Um, Joe, what did you think about this documentary? Dude, I loved it. And, like... You, you know, I don't know anything about basketball. Like, you just listed all those positions. I didn't know what any of that shit meant. But, <laughs> but this, this documentary was so engaging. I didn't even know who Kevin Garnett was. Oh my I God. Watching it. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. I'm that guy. But I'm watching it and like, right away, I'm like, this dude's like, indomitable will and attitude and try hard is one of the, coolest most fucking inspiring yeah. things that i've ever seen and i just loved it um dude when it got up to the store well first off this is absolute tupperware for me it fucking blew me away but when it got up to that part where he was talking about he went in to do like an nba practice kind of like all by himself and just kind of like show these like scouts or something and he was walking in and he overheard one of the guys like kind of talking shit like oh what am i doing wasting my time here to see some fucking high schooler yeah and it pissed him off and he used it for fuel and he like crushed the practice when he was done he was like that's why you're here motherfucker <laughs> yes dude yes like oh my god like from now on, if I'm ever doing anything hard and I'm in the midst of it and like that little bitch in my heart pops up and starts telling me that I need to quit, I'm going to think of Kevin Garnett and I'm going to be like, fuck no, you don't quit. Man. <laughs> like, like the, he, he reminded me of that, um, uh, that, uh, that Goggins dude that's like an extreme athlete that was like a, um, a Navy SEAL and shit like that who's, I don't know if you've ever heard him on podcast before, but he's fucking wild man also. And he's just like, like that, just that same spirit. And, you know, going into this, not knowing anything about him, and then the way that this documentary was laid out, it's it's perfect, and it ends on such a high note. I had no idea how that was going to turn out. I'm sure watching this, you knew, yeah. you know, all these beats as they were coming. For me, it was like this was all new to me, and, and, and not being like a basketball fan or even knowing who he was, like for me to be so engaged with this documentary from beginning to end, like fucking absolutely brilliant. And it like really i love it when you put these on the list because otherwise honestly I, w I wouldn't watch them because it's not my thing but when i do watch them they're fucking fantastic and they are very inspiring <laughs> so thank you very much for putting it on the list i thoroughly enjoyed it have you have you seen uncut gems with adam sandler no and it's on my to don't list because so many people have said that watching it gives them anxiety yeah, that, that I'm like, oh no, I don't know if I'm 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 in for that ride. Kevin Garnett plays himself in that movie. You should watch it. Oh no, shit. Yeah, you should watch <laughs> oh, it. Fuck. You should watch it. Um, Joe, I, I'm really glad that you like this because I wanted to watch this and I didn't get to. Um, and I, being that you don't really know anything about basketball, whereas I do, um, I'm definitely going to try to watch this while I'm you know out with this knee problem. 
Brooke, I didn't know you're a basketball fan. Co- college basketball. College. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, actually, when I, I went to a Division two school, and one of our players always told us that he was Kevin Garnett's cousin. So we called him KG. So that was funny. But, I mean, he was a good player, but it was also good yeah. for Division two. But, you know, <laughs> he was no Kevin Garnett. But we always called him KG because it was hilarious that that he kept saying that that was his cousin. It's like... Why doesn't he come here and visit you, man? <laughs> I work with a, I work with a lady that said she was related to an NBA basketball player, and I got to meet him. And mm-hmm. I said, "Do you know so and so?" And he said, "I don't know who she is." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, she's such a fucking liar." Anyway, <laughs> um, my my uncle went to school with Rex Chapman because he Rex, if anybody oh, yeah. remembers Rex Chapman oh, yeah. from back in yeah, um, well he's like a. He's like a Twitter guy now because he posts all kinds of things on Twitter and stuff. It's like he doesn't need drugs anymore. He's got the Internet. It's great. Um, (laughs) But, um, yeah, I went to the same high school he did, you know, 20 years later or whatever. But um, him and my uncle were, I think, in the same class or like a year apart. So that's really the only, like, NBA player that I even know any, like, that I, you know, six degrees of separation from (laughs) I, I, my wife came in the room while I was watching it, yeah. and I turned around and I was like, "Do you know who Kevin Garnett is?" And like my wife, like she grew up with like like her dad is like huge into sports, her younger brother's huge into sports. Like she grew up in a house where there were sports on the TV all the time, and she was really into basketball growing up. And so she's just looking at me, just like, "Oh, you poor thing." Yeah, like, he's a really tall fella, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like who did I marry? <laughs> well, he—I mean, he was—he was one of the NBA superstars. Now, and we're talking like. He all star every fucking almost every fucking year he played the game. He was an all star. He's one of these guys that you know you he he played his heart out for Minnesota, and he I don't think he ever would have won a championship there, especially after Stephon Marbury left. And they talk about this in the documentary. And it, Joe, there's a Stephon Marbury documentary out there that I think you should watch. That I think that you, after watching this, you'd really appreciate that. I'll look up the name of it. I think it's called, I think it might just be called Marbury. But, nice. yeah, uh, it, I still have to watch The Last Dance too. Oh, you'll love The Last Dance. But, um, yeah, I haven't watched that yet either. This is, uh, when, if he would have stayed at Minnesota, he would have just, he, I don't think he ever would have won a championship. And, and there's, there's a lot of guys that, did kind of like what he did and but they jumped around from team to team championship hunting charles barkley left the suns to get to get a championship charles barkley never won a championship um and same thing with carl malone carl malone left the utah jazz played with the lakers and uh they got beat by that Detroit Pistons team in 2004. And that was a team that was, that was a team that was, uh, Kobe and, and Shaq. And they had, uh, they had Gary Payton, the glove. They had, they had Carl Malone. They still couldn't win a championship. They got beat by the Detroit, Detroit Pistons that year. And that, and that's something because, you know, uh, Charles Barkley and Carl Malone are two, I, I feel like well-known basketball players. They're two of the best the that ever lived. Two of the two of the best right? at their like, position. Yeah. I mean, they. I'm sure they're on that list. That 75. <laughs> it's not easy to win a championship, and it, 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 yeah. I mean, not every player is going to be like 
Tim Duncan that wins a championship their first year and then comes back and wins it multiple times throughout their career in different years. Um, it was nice. It was nice seeing, you know, them relive that, uh, that, that year the Celtics won and he got his championships. And then after he wins the championship, he gets that hug from Bill Russell. Bill Russell played for the Boston Celtics, you know, and dude, we're talking Boston Celtics. This is before free agency and Bill Russell won 11 championships with the Celtics. This guy has more, he has more rings than he has fingers. I mean, they won, they, he won 11 championships with the Celtics. There was a time Whoa. the Celtics were so dominant, Joe, they won eight in a row from 1959 to 1966. The Celtics almost for an entire decade won the championship every year. This was before free agency. When you got, when you got good players, you could just keep them on your team. You didn't have to trade them. You could just keep them. And, uh, and the Celtics were just fucking dominant back then. Um, but the, yeah, I love this, man. Uh, some really, they go over the death of Malik Seeley. And I remember when Malik Seeley died. That was super tragic. Very sad. This is an absolute Tupperware. Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. And what's beautiful about the title of this is it's such a fucking real moment when Kevin's talking about when he wins the, when he wins the championship and, and they're talking to him after he's won it and he just starts yelling. Anything is possible. It's like the purest fucking moment, dude. It's just like, it's just like that little kid in him is just like, is coming out in that moment. And he's just screaming, anything is possible. And it was, it was, it was fucking beautiful. I loved it. This is an absolute Tupperware. I love that you're getting into these sports documentaries, Joe. I'm going to take, I need to take you to a fucking Bulls game one of these days. I took my, <laughs> I took my buddy Dan to a Bulls game. He's not in, he was not into sports at all. I took him to a fucking Bulls game. It was against the Sacramento Kings years ago. And my buddy Dan, who didn't give a fuck about basketball, was like high-fiving me during the fucking... <laughs> he loved it. He fucking absolutely loved going to the United Center and watching the Bulls. So I think I think I, I, a trip. I could convert you to a basketball fan. I think I could. <laughs> I, I'm, I, you know, I'll try to come along there, too. I've never been to an NBA game. Oh, it's, there's nothing like it, Brooke. There's nothing my, like it. My business teacher who... Uh, plan this New York trip when we were in college and stuff like he would do it every year. He always went to Knicks games while we were there. Well, they weren't playing. He didn't really care about hockey, but he decided he was going to take us to a Rangers game. So that's what we did because he always did like a sports thing. Um, he bought a Rangers jersey and everything it was great. Um, so I was good. I thought I was going to get to go, but I didn't. But baseball. Yeah, I've been to a bunch of professional baseball games, but no professional basketball. Yeah, I've, I don't really care to watch hockey on TV, but I love going to hockey games. I'll go to it a hockey game. It can get rowdy. <laughs> it's yeah. fun. It's fun. I used to go to Peoria Riverman games when I was a kid, and I loved that. They The years that I went, I went in 91 a bunch, and they won the championship that year. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Resident Evil, welcome to Raccoon City. This is out in the theaters now. Joe, did you get a chance to go to the theater and watch this? I did not get a chance to go to the theater this week. Yeah, returning to the origins of the massively popular Resident Evil franchise fan and filmmaker, Johannes uh, Roberts brings the games to life for a whole new generation of fans. 
In Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, once the booming home of pharmaceutical giant Umbrella Corporation, Raccoon City is now a dying Midwestern town. The company's exodus left the city of Wasteland with great evil brewing below the surface. When that evil is unleashed, a group of survivors must work together to uncover the truth behind Umbrella and make it through the night. And this is written and directed by Johannes Roberts. It's got a cast of Kaya Scottelario. Uh, Hannah John Kamen, uh, she played Ghost in the Ant-Man and the Lost movie. Robbie Amell is in this. Tom Hopper. Uh, Donald Logue from uh, Gotham. And Neil McDonough. Um, which, is the, uh, which is the guy from the fucking Umbrella Academy? What's his name? He's in this fucking thing. I probably said his name, which didn't one? even know it was him. I'm going to look it up. Academy cast. Like Neil McDonough, he is, he's a dumb, dumb Dugan. And also the bad guy in Arrow that I can't think of his name all of a sudden. Tom Hopper is the guy from Umbrella Academy. Yeah. He played Luther. Yeah, he's the. Yeah, he's in this. A guy. He's in this, um. Or whatever. I fucking hated this movie. I. I fucking hated it. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, and I played PlayStation Resident Evil. I love the first one. Um, yeah, the my first f- one's rad. Well, my favorite's the second. Resident Evil 2 is my fucking favorite. Um, Resident Evil 3 is fine, but I fucking loved Resident Evil 2. Like, we used to have fucking get-togethers. You know, I'd, I had moved out. I had my fucking PlayStation. We had people over. We had the fucking strategy guide. We would play fucking Resident Evil 2. I fucking loved Resident Evil 2. This fucking movie sucked. Um, I was not a fan of it at all. Um, I didn't like it. I, I just thought it, it, uh, it had moments where I was like, man, I think like the first 15 minutes, I was like, I was super into it. And then just as it kept going on and on and on, I was just like taken out of this movie and just did not enjoy it. Um, yeah, Joe, you didn't miss much. I don't really, I had a lackluster plot. That, that took you out of it. <laughs> uh, the special effects weren't good. Um, I thought that the, I thought that the actors were fine. I thought that the actors were fine. It's just it was so slow moving that by the time it got to like the big action sequences at the end, I was already checked out. Um, it just I, I just wanted to see a lot more of of fucking you know people fighting off like the undead and shit and it just never really I don't know it just didn't work for me I thought the actors were fine but I really don't have a lot to say about this one because I didn't (laughs) I didn't like it oh my god I did not like it and I thought I was going to enjoy it when I was 15 minutes in and then it just kept going and I did not like it and I know like fucking um, Stephen Redgrave was like really looking forward to us talking about this one and I don't have a lot to say about it. <laughs> he was like, oh, is anybody going to do that review? And I said, no, go for it. Because I didn't realize what, like, the subtitle was. So, I'm, and, and I'm not familiar enough with the game to know that Raccoon City was not, like, some sort of joke. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, go for it. So, uh, I didn't know really anything about it. I saw Robbie Amell talking about it and he was super stoked and he's like, it's just like the game. And I'm like, that doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. It's, it's another video game to movie adaptation that just didn't work, sadly. 
Um, when, when I kept hearing that, oh, it's like the game, it, it had my hopes up. And I was like, oh, maybe this will be a good Resident Evil because I really haven't seen one yet that I that I liked all that much. That's that's too bad to hear that this one fell short. I I actually like the I actually liked uh, the uh, Resident Evil franchise movies before this because they were just I like especially the first two. I thought that they were just fun, stupid popcorn movies. This I just those did, are, did not like. Those are the ones with Mila Jovovich. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hellbound on Netflix. Um, who got a chance to watch any of Hellbound? I watched the first episode. I did too. It's a story about otherworldly beings who appear out of nowhere to issue a decree and condemn individuals to hell. These supernatural events cause great mayhem and enable the religious group, the new truth to grow in influence. Uh, apparently episodes one through three focus on the character of Jin Kyung Hoon, a detective investigating the happenings and Jiang Jin Su, the chairman of the new truth episodes four through six take place five years later and focuses on Bei Jung Jae, a production director who has to struggle with the fact that his newborn baby is bound for hell. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Uh, it's a South Korean dark fantasy streaming, uh, on Netflix, uh, by Yan Sang Ho based on his webtoon of the same name. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess the premise is, uh, people are, are told what day they're gonna die and when they're, and then on that day, these, these fucking like big, Hulk-like monsters just show up and beat the shit out of them and then kill them? Is that what it is, Joe? You got it. <laughs> and it's... I... I fucking hated this. It was fucking terrible, in my opinion. I, dude, I've never been so hyped based off of, like, a, a poster yeah. or something, and then throughout the first episode of watching it, I was just like, this is... This is not good. It's terrible. Like, um, it was like, I don't know if you watched it with like reading the subtitles or if you watched the, the English dub version, but the English dub version was so poorly voice acted yeah. that like all the dramatic scenes like absolutely fell flat. And I was curious. I was like, okay, let's go back and rewatch these dramatic scenes again in the original version in the original audio version those those actors nailed it and all the dramatic scenes like actually worked really well yeah but man watching it that first time with the the english dub it was not good i watched it um, with the english dub too it was really bad <laughs> really bad right yeah oh god we're following this detective that uh is investigating this shit we find out that this guy's wife was murdered and i felt worse for him because we find out that he's using a wired mouse on his computer like who the fuck uses <laughs> Jesus Christ get yourself a bluetooth mouse bro <laughs> I saw that wire I was like what I the fuck even, I didn't even try to watch any of this and I'm glad I didn't because I got hurt so my mom showed up from two hours away to help me out because Cindy wasn't here and well Cindy can't necessarily help me with everything because she can't drive or anything but um, my mom asked a lot of questions about things in English. So I was like, I can't, I would much rather watch it with subtitles. And I'm like, I, I, nope, I can't pay attention and answer her questions. So it was a nope. So I'm glad I missed it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, the, the special effects were terrible. Like those big Hulk-like looking monsters that looked like they were sponsored by Kingsford Charcoal were terrible. Um, I, I, I God, it, this is another fucking thing I really don't want to spend too much time on because I thought it was just crap, Joe. Yeah, there's really not too much to talk about here. I mean, the premise for it is, it's a cool premise. It's not. But I don't think it's cool. <laughs> I think it's fucking, it makes no fucking sense to me, Joe. There's an app that people see when they're gonna die, and then fucking these monsters show up and beat the shit out of them in a city, and it... Well, I don't think there's an app that has anything to do with it. It's, it's more these people are just This guy was looking at like a count, oh, it was, oh, it was, did he just set a it's, timer? I think he must have just set a timer or something like that. He just knew that on a certain day at a certain time he was going to die. So basically in this world, you'll just be chilling, doing whatever you're doing. Then all of a sudden like this big giant floating head will appear in the air before you and it'll like say your name and it'll say, you know, you're going to die on this day. You've been, you know, sentenced to hell. Yeah. And then when that happens, when that time comes along, all of a sudden these executioners from hell will show up and they're like these big giant hulk looking monsters and they do they just show up and they just run through and just grab somebody and beat the shit out of them and then eventually they all focus together like their hands and like burn the person to like cinders yeah but you know the 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 premise for it is pretty is is cool but it's like their execution of it was not good and and in the first episode they kind of float this thing in front of you where there's this single mom that it's like, okay, well, what could this lady have done that's so terrible? Because all of a sudden this thing shows up and tells her in front of her kids that she's going to hell. Yeah, because we find out, like, most of these people that have been sentenced to hell, we find out, like, they're, like, either, like, pedophiles or rapists or sex traffickers or, like, just bad people in general. Exactly. And so it's like, okay, well, what did this lady do? But it it wasn't a big enough hook to make me want to go back. So I was like, this is – the execution in this is just not – not good. I mean, you can't ignore like these South Korean shows based off like these webtoons or or anything. I especially after watching Squid Game recently and Alice in Borderland and even like you know, I mean, there's some really great content coming from South Korea. This is just not one of them. This is trash. I'm yeah. I'm really glad. I'm really glad that people are. Uh, wait, let me rephrase that. That like white people. Uh, English speaking people, that kind of, you know, the, like, people, Western people are seeing more of the South Korean content because they have all kinds of good content across the board. But of course, just like anywhere else, they do have some shitty things. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just like over here. It's just like, I think we need stuff that kind of like transcends that, um, like people, anybody can get into. And I think Squid Game was huge. Squid Game was, uh, my sister watched Squid Game. I mean, I didn't even tell her about it. It's not one of those things that I told her to watch. She just found out about it on her own because of the hype. And that's huge. I can kind of gauge shit by like, you know, like what my sister and what my family are watching without me mm -hmm. telling them. Yeah, Squid yeah, Game like, is incredible. There's so many good dramas and stuff that if you like like Downton Abbey and stuff like that, like they have the kind of equivalent that are just is good too. But anyway. Oh God, I can I could I, just looking at Downton Abbey. I just there's no way in fuck I could ever watch that. No, I mean, it went downhill after the first couple seasons. No, nah, I'm just talking about just me looking at it. Just a bunch of old boring. people sitting around and shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I know about all of this kind of stuff 
And I knew about all these K-pop bands before they became famous because Cindy, she loved Korean culture so much. She did a, um, a semester there in college and she still can speak some Korean and she gets Korean snack boxes and still watches her shows and everything. So my dad's uncle lives over in South Korea. It's my grandpa's soul brother. Uh, Joe, you didn't get a chance to see House of Gucci then, I'm assuming? <laughs> no. Oh, man, let's see. Yeah, I saw House of Gucci. Uh, when Patrizia Reggiani, an outsider from humble beginnings, marries into the Gucci family, her unbridled ambition begins to unravel the family legacy and triggers a reckless spiral, spiral of betrayal, decadence, revenge, and ultimately murder. Uh, directed by Ridley Scott. It's based on the 2001 book, The House of Gucci, a sensational story of murder, madness, glamour, and greed by Sarah Gay Forden. And, um, yeah, this one stars, uh, Lady Gaga as, uh, Patricia. Um, uh, Maurizio, uh, is played by, uh, Adam Driver. And, uh, they, they have this relationship. As the romance transforms into a fight for control, uh, of the Italian fashion brand Gucci. Um, Jared Leto's in this, Jeremy Irons, Salma Hayek, Al Pacino. And, uh, I find, man, two hours and 37 minutes, long movie, but, um, and I know it's got some divisive reviews, but, uh, I fucking, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I haven't read the book and I know that some of the book readers are, are not enjoying this as well. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was directed great. Um, God damn it. Adam Driver has just catapulted to like one of my top actors out there right now. And, uh, Jared Leto, uh, just unrecognizable in this movie and, and really good. Unrecognizable the, as Paolo. The, like, fat suit and the, like, the, like, prosthetic yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, just seeing it in the trailers. We were sitting there at the theater one night and I was just like, what, what, did that say that was Jared Leto? It's yeah. Jared Leto. It's unreal. He is fantastic in this movie. Lady Gaga's incredible in this movie. Um, I, 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 I loved it. I thought it was, um, I thought it was an incredible, incredible film. And like, I, I didn't know anything about this whole story and mm. how this all went down. So like, this is all like new to me. Um, I, Joe, have you ever followed any of the, of the Gucci family in their history and anything like that? Do you know anything about it going in? If you were to go into this movie? No, absolutely nothing. But I've saw the trailer for this a few times in the theater, you know, before it was released. And I was very, very intrigued by it. And hearing you enjoyed it so much, this is one that it's, it's higher up on my radar now for sure. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was incredible. Oh my God. It's, uh, it's, it's, I'm really excited to finally get to see it because that's something we were planning on probably going to see before I, shattered my knee <laughs> but i watched um so instead because i wanted to you know watch it and kind of still feel about it, um i watched a true actually a true crime thing about about them yesterday because you know i'm sitting around with nothing else to do <laughs> yeah I, I i would be interested in watching something like that too after watching this because it was i can't i can't believe this story i just thought it was pretty unreal 
how mm-hmm. it went from like this family business to to what it turned into and and what it is now. It's just a it is a bizarre roller coaster of a film. I can't believe this is based on a fucking true story. I'd like to know like if everything that they that they had in the movie is true or not. Um, that'd be interesting. But as far as the direction and and the acting, I thought it was top notch. This is this is really good. House of Gucci. It's a Tupperware for me. Um, true story on Netflix. Uh, did, did either of you get to watch any of True Story on Netflix? First episode. Yeah, I watched the first episode. I did not expect it to be that long. And then I was looking, I'm like, oh, the other ones are shorter. <laughs> yeah, the first episode's an hour, and then the rest of them are about 35 minutes or so. I've watched the first three episodes. Uh, a world-famous comedian desperately searches for a way out after a night in Philadelphia with his brother threatens, uh, with his brother threatens to sabotage more than his success. Um, this one stars Kevin Hart, Wesley Snipes, and Tawny Newsome. And Joe, what did you think about True Story? Man, th- I went into this not knowing, like I didn't even watch a trailer for it or anything, didn't really know what it was going to be besides the cast. And that first episode really, really blew me away. Uh, the, the first episode for me was a Tupperware. I, I, I was on the edge of my seat. It gave me so much anxiety. Uh, I think Kevin Hart's doing a really good job in it. Wesley Snipes, man, I, I love see everything I've seen him in recently. I've really, really enjoyed. Um, yeah, this was, I did not expect the, the turns that it took. And at the end of the first episode, there's a really big turn that just left my jaw on the floor. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, 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 oh. uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to finishing this one out. And really looking forward to hear what you thought after seeing a few more episodes of it, too, because I believe it's seven episodes total. Six, I think. I think it's six. I could be wrong. Okay. Um, Brooke, what did you think of uh, True Story? I mean, I I agree with Joe, uh, except for with me, I only knew that Kevin Hart was in it because I'd seen it on the, you know, the Netflix roster there but i didn't really know anything about it and wesley snipes shows up and i'm like that's fucking wesley snipes like it it was like i really want to watch the rest of it now um again because i just found out today that i was gonna be doing this and then my mom was here it's just kind of you know not forced i didn't want to force her to watch all of the stuff i was gonna watch so i just did the one but they all like the story and everything was really great like everybody did such a good job acting and everything and like yeah no i really need to know what else happens in this <laughs> yeah i mean he, he plays a, a world famous comedian who um has been uh you know going on tour and, and been doing uh big movies like uh almost kind of like uh just got done doing kind of like a superhero movie <laughs> and um He's a, he's just a huge star. So it's basically like Kevin Hart playing Kevin Hart at this point. And his brother, who's much older than him, comes into town. They're going to spend time together. His brother's never, him and his brother, I don't know how, it's, it's almost like they've got like this weird, rocky kind of like relationship. And, and, um, he's been helping his brother with his financial problems, bought him a restaurant and things like that. The restaurant is not doing well. Anyway, um, He's been sober for six months, so apparently he must have had like a, you know, a drinking problem before this. He's been sober for six months. His brother and his friends 
talk him into drinking this one night. Ends up waking up next to this woman, and she's dead in the bed. It's all like, she did. Like, and oh, and oh, so oh. at this point, they're trying to get rid of like, – he's like, this is going to ruin my career. So they're trying to get rid of the body. And uh, Wesley Snipes knows somebody that uh, he thinks can get rid of the body, kind of like this guy that's going to clean it up for him. And it's Billy Zane from Titanic. Mm-hmm. Billy Zane shows up and, and um, takes care of the body and then is basically demanding – you know, a total of like six million dollars or something ridiculous. So it's like five hundred thousand dollars every month for the next year. And um, you know, he's talking to people, and they're like, "This is not going to stop. He's not going to. He's always going to want more money from you." Blah blah blah. And uh, something crazy happens at the end of the fucking episode. I don't want to spoil it, but my god. I'm three episodes in, and this is an absolute Tupperware. I've got to finish this. It's a mini series, so I've only got three episodes left. But I've got to fucking finish this. Um, I will tell you that they do show uh, a scene of the superhero movie that he's in, and I will tell you that a Marvel MCU star shows up in the scene from the movie. So yeah, that's it's it's really cool, and that happens in the second episode. So yeah, I'm loving I'm loving True Story. It's a it's a it's a Tupperware for me. I think Kevin Hart's great. I think uh, Wesley Snipes is fantastic in this, and uh, yeah, it has me on the edge of my seat. Like, what's gonna fucking happen next? So yeah, I'm really enjoying this one. Nice. Uh, let's see here, Black Friday. Who got a chance to watch Black Friday? Awesome. Um, this is on video on demand on Thanksgiving night. Disgruntled to- uh, toy store employees begrudgingly arrive for work to open the store at midnight for the busiest shopping of day of the year. Meanwhile, an alien parasite crashes to Earth in a meteor. This group of misfits led by store manager Jonathan and longtime employee Ken soon find themselves battling hordes of holiday shoppers who have been turned into monstrous creatures hell-bent on murderous rampage on Black Friday. It's a Horror comedy film directed by, written and, uh, written by Ada, Andy Greskoviak and directed by Casey Tebow. It stars Devin Sawa, Ivana Baccaro, Ryan Lee, Stephen Peck, Michael Jai White, and Bruce Campbell. And, uh, Joe, what'd you think of, uh, Black Friday? I thought it was a really fun kind of B horror movie. Uh, it's, the the practical effects in it were were pretty good it was it was enjoyable all the monster effects in it i mean these people go from just looking like like they've got a little bit of a fever to like looking like full on fucking creepy ass aliens and they got i i, I don't, it's it's just wild it's a wild premise that these things just start falling from the sky and kind of infecting people and Man, there's some characters in this that work at the store that just from the very start you can't wait to see them get <laughs> meet their end. And uh, for for me, this was a high taste. It um, I, I love anything Bruce Campbell. I'm going to be excited about. And as soon as I saw that he was in this, like okay, a B horror movie, Bruce Campbell's in it. I'm I'm on board. And in his part in it was pretty funny. I thought his character was great. <laughs> like really, really loving the corporate structure and where he sits in it and. So it, and it's got some funny twists and turns in it. Um, is it, uh, Michael Jai White that's in this also? Yeah. Yeah, I loved his character. He was fantastic. Do you, I swear to God, I watched this for like 10, 15 minutes going, where's Devin Swa? 
And I'm like, oh my god, that's him. Okay, now. <laughs> this, now I, now I'm feeling really old. He is no longer the kid from Final <laughs> Destination. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought maybe you were looking for him when he was a kid in, in Casper at the end. <laughs> yes, he he's kid, definitely kid. not the kid from Casper anymore. <laughs> oh. I don't think I ever yeah, watched yeah, Casper. He was, a pretty he fun was movie. prominent on that Final Destination box. Yeah, he sure was. I don't think I ever watched Casper. <laughs> I never had any desire to watch Casper. Nah, I had a younger sister that loved it, so it was one of those things I couldn't escape in my home. Did you... Did you notice the predator elements in this? Yeah, the kind of the weird clicking sound that they made with their their mouths. Well, even the music in it. Oh, I guess I didn't even pick up on the music part. Yeah, I should have told you. I was actually was going to tell you, like, listen to the music. It sounds very predator-like. And then even, like, remember the... uh, there's like that defective bear toy and it starts mm-hmm. mimicking and saying shit. And it sounded like the predator at the very end where it's like laughing and shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of predator elements in this. Um, that bear toy was hilarious. That shit it was saying was really funny. I didn't like this as much as you. I <laughs> really, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think the movie knew what to do with Bruce Campbell. To be honest with you, I felt like Bruce Campbell like was like, okay, I don't want to be Ash. I don't want this to be like Ash. They're working in a fucking store, and he's like the corporate guy and shit. And but he's like, I don't want to be. I don't want. I felt like he was like, I don't want to be Ash in this store. I don't want to be like Ash and Smart and going around killing these things. And I think yeah, he definitely wasn't Ash. That's for sure. I think it's kind of the detriment of the movie, though. I yeah, it just it, it 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 I don't know. It didn't work. I'll give it a taste. It the stuff that I I didn't really even care for like the when they were fighting the the people that had been infected. I I actually got more a kick out of like when they're just employees talking about retail and how how much it how much it kind of is, is how retail has been sucking the life out of them and how like the one guy's been doing it for so many years and. And, you know, I, I, I got more out of those scenes than I actually did, like, the action and some of the comedy, to be quite honest with you. I just, I, I really didn't enjoy this as much as you did, Joe. Huh. And, like, they didn't know what to do with Bruce Campbell. Like, the way he goes out in this movie, it's just, like, the dumbest shit I've ever seen. He just, he just jumps into the fucking building and that's it. <laughs> I don't think they know what to do with him. I mean, yeah, I, I guess I, I hadn't really thought about the the like he went into this definitely not wanting to portray a character like Ash because I mean that's that's totally true. He doesn't. I mean, his character is. I mean, his character's not heroic. That's what people want to like, see, though. Whatsoever. That's what I wanted to see going into this was like him fucking. I don't want to. I don't. He doesn't have to be Ash, but I wanted to see him. Yeah, fuck it, man. I kind of wanted to see, like, let's see Ash in S-Mart just fucking up some, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that probably would have been a more... Going off that description, that would probably be more of a Tupperware for me. And and it even kind of more fits the summary of the movie, saying that, you know, store manager Jonathan leads his crew. It's like, not really. No, he doesn't. I mean, if anything, he's more like the entire time yelling at everybody to like, oh, what are you doing? Don't do that. You know, we need, we need to just sit here and, you know, yada, yada. 
I really feel like this movie went out of their way to not make him Ash so much to the detriment of the film itself, in my opinion. Yeah, it, I guess more from the beginning. Like, I, I, I figured out right away that that wasn't the sort of performance or character that we were going to be getting out of Bruce Campbell in this, that he was more just kind of going to be this quirky side character that he, you know, it ended up panning out to be. And I kind of enjoyed the, the journey of, of the main character who started off, you know, with this, like this real, just germaphobic or germaphobic kid that was very, you know, very, very weak willed and everything. And by the end of it, he kind of found his own, you know, strength and everything. I, I thought this movie had a pretty solid end. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, I didn't go into it expecting to be like wowed or, or like amazed by it. I went into this expecting it to be a crappy B horror movie. And, and so it, you know, it, it fit that role for me nicely. Yeah. It, it sound, I don't know, man. It just sounded like it could be so much more fun. Fucking people, you know, being infected by alien parasites and going around trying to kill Black Friday employees. I just thought it could be a lot more fun. Like the, Black Friday employees, like people in retail, getting revenge on, on, on the shoppers that make their lives hell, and um, I, I don't, yeah, I just don't think that the movie lived up to what I wanted to see. Sadly, no. Just in the little bit of talking that we've done now, I'm like realizing that yeah, we could have gotten a way better movie just with the few things that you suggested. Like yeah, it would have been way more cool. Yeah, I mean, let's. You don't have to go grounded with this shit. Like, and I'm not saying that they did. I'm just saying the comedy. There, there could have been a lot more comedy, especially with like employees getting revenge on, you know, Black Black Friday. Oh, absolutely. Customers who's worked in retails wanted to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I was. You know. But and I had a lot of hopes for this one because it's got Bruce Campbell in it. I really feel like he went out of his way to not be Ash in this. Because if, if anything I know about Bruce Campbell is like I remember like when he came into town, he said something like, you know, this is before they did Ash versus Evil Dead. And they were talking about Army of Darkness sequel. And, he, and he's like, oh, who wants to see who wants to see me, you know, old and fucking, you know, fighting the fighting you know the dead and shit like that nobody wants to see that you know and he's comparing himself to like harrison ford and in uh crystal skull and shit and and i really feel like like he probably did that with this he was just like ah nobody wants to see me fucking be ash and go into the store and fucking kill these things it's like yes we do that's what everybody (laughs) in the bruce campbell fan wants to see every fucking bruce campbell fan wants to see you fucking basically turn this into ash Inside of S Mart, just fucking destroying the dead. We all want to see that. Yeah, in in these things in this are so close to being deadites anyway. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, so I'll give it, I'll give it a solid taste it because I I did think the writing was pretty solid, um, and uh, it did have some some fun moments. I'll give it a taste it overall though, but it's nothing I'll rush to watch again. Sadly. Uh, 8-Bit Christmas. Who got a chance to watch 8-Bit Christmas on HBO Max? Brooke, did you watch this? we watched it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In 1980s Chicago, a 10-year-old embarks on a quest to get the latest and greatest video game system for Christmas. Yeah, they're talking about the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. I heard that the the original title for this movie was... um, um, we also recognize a Christmas story as the best Christmas movie ever. So we, 
So much so, we completely ripped it off here, but added elements of the Goldbergs and Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, and remember that part of The Princess Bride where Columbo reads the story to Fred Savage? Yeah, we did that shit, Thank too. You. So mm-hmm. that's, that's what I was going to say. It's that's That was the original title for this movie. It is a complete fucking ripoff of A Christmas Story with elements of Princess Bride and... and um, uh, yeah, it's directed by Michael Douse. Uh, it stars Neil Patrick Harris, Winslow Fegley, uh, June, Diane Raphael, David Cross, and Steve Zahn. And, um, Joe, did you watch this one with your kids? Yes. You like, you liked it then, didn't you? Cause your kid, your kids, did your kids like it? My kids loved it. Yeah. I did not. Thank you. God damn it. Thank <laughs> you. Like, to, but they were having such a good time with it that I was intentionally keeping my mouth shut yeah. while we were watching it because I didn't want to to ruin their fun. Yeah. But then when, when it was all said and done and they left the room and then my wife and I talked about it, I was like, this thing. <laughs> like, this movie didn't know what the fuck it wanted to do. Like, you Oh, said, it, it no, it knew like, what it wanted to do. It, it wanted oh, to yeah, fucking. It knew what it was trying to be. <laughs> it fucking, it knew what it wanted. It was trying to be a Christmas story with Nintendo. It knew exactly yeah. what it was doing. There was, it was not reinventing the wheel at all. What so. if it were a Christmas story only 40 years later? Basically, yeah. That's exactly what it was. It's, I don't know. I mean, if, and I, I love Neil Patrick Harris too. I fucking love Neil Patrick Harris, and uh, um, and I think it has a sweet little ending and shit like that. But I don't know, man. It was, it was, it's just beat for beat, almost like it was a Christmas story, just with with an '80s kind of twist with the Nintendo Entertainment mm-hmm. System. And um, I thought the kid actors were fine. I, I liked the the one little kid that was like the liar kid. I thought he was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it was great though the later he's like somebody believes me um, like that was his best part uh i'll give this the lowest of taste it's same mm-hmm. yeah low taste same. me too and i'm not going to spoil anything about the end of it but i feel like they manufactured like this emotional punch at the end of it that was even in itself was weak and almost like well, why did you write the ending that way? And it's like it, the only obvious answer is because it wanted to make you feel something at the end. Yeah. Because otherwise yeah. this movie wasn't going to have any sort of emotional punch at all at the end. So we're just going to do something really weird and then almost kind of redirect a little bit at the end. Oh, God. I, I, it basically did what another Neil Patrick Saw, Harris thing. Like the whole ending coming. It basically like did. a mile away. It basically did what another Neil Patrick Harris thing did with How I Met Your Mother. If you ever watched that show in the last episode. And kind of. I don't. Yeah. Nobody watched it, apparently. I have not seen that yeah. one. So, yeah. Uh, fair enough. If you watched How I Met Your Mother. Um. You might understand that. I guess you, yeah, there's a lot to, to understand with that because you got to watch I've this movie. I've never seen the last episode because we were watching it and Cindy goes, Oh, are they, is he pretending to be straight again? And my mom goes, Did he do that? And, and I was like, Have you ever seen, have you, how I met your mother? And she was like, No. I'm like, I've just seen some episodes, but yeah. And so that was it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, this is a low taste it for me. Joe, did you get a chance to see uh, Cusp on Showtime? No, I didn't see that one. Ah, fuck, I'm not going to talk about this then. I didn't get to see it either. I was going to watch that one. Yeah, nobody wants to hear me talk. It's 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 a documentary about 
I'm not talking about that. It's uncomfortable me talking about that by myself. Fuck that. That's fine. Yeah. It's a, yeah, fuck that. Yeah, there's a movie called Cusp on Showtime. It's a documentary. It's about, yeah, yeah, three teenage girls. It's a, it's a, yeah, well, I don't know. I ain't gonna talk about that one by myself. Alright, we'll, <laughs> This episode, Jesus Christ. You were on the cusp of talking about cusp. I was on the t- cusp of talking about cusp. Joe, if you need my Showtime access, let me know. I'll hook you up. Oh, yeah. No, I think I had to use it to watch your Kevin Garnett thing. There I just, you go. I just yeah. didn't get to this one. Ah, no worries. Uh, I, I saved... Yeah, I have Showtime till the end of the year. There you go. I saved the Wheel of Time for Jake last week, and now he's not on this fucking week. And so I guess I fuck it. You guys want to talk about Wheel of Time? Did you watch Wheel of Time, Joe? Yeah, I'm almost through with the fourth episode. I I, I watched the first three. I haven't started the fourth episode. Did you watch this, Brooke? No. Okay. Like it, I see. I've, I saw the like previews for it because they even showed it at the movie theater, and I'm like, I just don't know if I can get into this because just. The trailers just seem like a watered-down version of something else, you know, like Game of Thrones or something. But if you guys think it's good, I'll I'll try it. Well, the fucking they that the, the intro, Joe, and even like the the logo just looks like it's like it's like it uh, might as well just say Game of Thrones. Jesus. Yeah, the opening credits very much wants to be just like Game of Thrones. Jesus. I picked up that too. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was expecting it. I know. Dun, 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 dun. By halfway through, they just say, fuck it. Let's just play the Game of Thrones theme. <laughs> <laughs> they might just call it, they might call it, they just call it Wheel of Thrones for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Wheel of Time follows Moraine. Is it Moraine, Joe? Yes. All right. A member of the A.S. Sedai, a powerful organization of women who can use magic. She takes a group of, uh, they say four young people in the synopsis. I thought it was five, Joe. Uh, they, they do take four, though. Okay. <laughs> four, four young people on a journey around the world, believing one of them might be the reincarnation of the dragon, a powerful individual prophesized to either save the world or destroy it. And uh, Jake is a huge fan of uh, the Wheel of Time book series. And so I was wanting to save this for Jake, but two, we're two weeks out on this thing. I, we got to fucking talk. I'll talk. I'll talk to him. When he fucking, whenever Jake comes back, I'll talk to him about the Wheel of Time. I want to know what he, he thinks about this. But uh, I've watched three episodes. What did you think, Joe? I've really been enjoying it so far. Uh, Wheel of Time is one of those ones where it's kind of a blind spot in in my pop culture repertoire, especially when it comes to fantasy and, and classic fantasy. At that, it's it's a it's a series that's been recommended to me by more people than than I can recall. But it's it's just always been a blind spot. I never actually got around to reading it. Uh, I've I'm I'm almost current on the show. The I, I think so far. The, it, it's just a high taste it for me so far. I'm, I'm enjoying the performances. I'm, I'm enjoying the plot. I'm enjoying all the history and stuff in this world. I don't have any knowledge at all of the the source material, but I did go and I bought uh, the first book on digital. So I'm going to start reading it at, at some point. 
but I'm juggling um, a few other books right now, so it's it'll be in the queue for a bit. But so far, I'm in, I'm enjoying the performances. Um, the the lore in this world is pretty cool, and in in the stories, or I feel like the episodes are doing a good job of kind of moving this plot forward while at the same time kind of spoon feeding you some bits and pieces of the, the history of this world and some of these places that they visited. Um, I think it might be either in the second or the third episode, they go into this like walled city. And, and I thought that that was pretty fascinating. The whole story behind this city that there was a great war and all these people locked, you know, kind of turned their backs on the world and built these giant walls around them. And when people eventually got through the walls, everybody was gone. And so now everybody just avoids the city and nobody goes in there. And and like the walls around it and all the architecture in the city is just fantastic. I'll tell you all the locations in this show are just breathtaking. All the different, um, the, the, the wide uh, panographic shots you get with all these incredible mountain scenes and, I mean, visually, the the show is just beautiful. So um, if this show was a travel agent, it would be a Tupperware. Is that what you're saying, Joe? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the way it's shot and everything. Yeah, visualize it, it is absolutely a Tupperware. Um, I'm not 100% hooked on it yet to where I'm like totally obsessing over everything. So it quite, hasn't quite hit Tupperware level for me yet. But but so far, I'm really enjoying it. And it it's made me want to seek out the source material. Okay, that's good. Um <sighs> I think, yeah, I, there's so many different comparisons I have with this, with like Lord of the Rings and with Game of Thrones. There's so many things that, you know, you've got a group, uh, you've got, you know, this female Gandalf that takes the four young people on a journey, the fellowship, and then the fellowship gets broken up at one point, right, Joe? Yep, this is true. Fellowship's been broken. And it's, I think it's good. I'm, I'm, I am enjoying watching the show, but as I'm watching it, it's very apparent to me that they're, and I know that these books came out, you know, in, uh, in the seventies and, but I think like it just doesn't do the stories as well as Game of Thrones or like the, or like the Lord of the Rings movies. So if I'm comparing it against those, which it's hard not to. Uh, I just got to give this, um, I've got to, I am going to give it a high taste because I, I do want to watch more. I do want to watch more, but I'm always comparing it against those two. And I think it's kind of like to the detriment of the show. And I don't, I think Rosamund Pike's really good in it, but she's kind of, uh, she's kind of like incapacitated during some of the show. I like it, but, uh. I don't know if it's something I'm going to, I'm going to watch at least the next episode. I just don't know if this is going to be must watch TV for me every week. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, who do you think the dragon is, Joe? Oh, it's still too early to say right now because there's been teases so far kind of from, from each of these 20 year olds that, that leads you to believe, okay, it, it, you know, it, it could be a Gwen because, you know, she did this thing where, you know, you kind of saw her use the the one power to to maybe get a fire going, or, or you know, it, it could be Perrin because you know he had this kind of weird thing going with maybe these wolves or something like that. Or there, there's just little 
teases on each one so far. And then in the fourth episode, it, it introduces a, this other character where you're like, well, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. And yeah. That, that guy was like an interesting. That guy's in- he's Aragon. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, man. So far, he's pretty intriguing. But the thing that's really cool about this world is that it's like all these women can can use this power. They call the one power like seemingly, you know, without repercussion. But like when men use it, it drives them crazy and they eventually like start hallucinating and thinking that they're seeing people that are telling them to, you know, go and do violence and shit like that. And so it's there's all these weird politics in this world where it's like there's some of these these women that are like the the I think it's the Aes Sedai that mm-hmm. that are like kind of charged with like hunting down these men that that are abusing the one power and like taking it away from them and I, I'm I'm really intrigued by all the different politics in this world. What are the the white cloaks? Are they going around and like hunting the Aes Sedai and because oh, we see yeah. one of them getting burned at the stake by this dude? And, yeah, yeah. I like the scene where. Uh... Moraine wakes up uh, a Gween and they ha- they go off and they have a conversation in the middle of the night and uh basically she should have just said uh let's go pass the Bechtel test right now cuz that's what that you know that's what, that's what that conversation was in my opinion <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know it's fine it's fine it's 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 fine i'll 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 watch more of this I'll watch more of it, but uh I don't know if it's gonna be something that I'm gonna stick with to be quite honest with you it's it's not game of Thrones it's not Lord of the Rings. I'm sure that the book is much better because jake is a Jake is a huge fan of the book and this is one of his most anticipated shows of the year so it'll be interesting to hear what Jake has to say about this one. So. Yeah, I'm totally excited to hear his take or anybody else that is like a really huge fan of the books. Like, what do you think of this? Because especially on things that are like these seminal, you know, works of of literature that are, you know, for years people are like, oh, they're they're never going to be able to adapt that, and then they go and do it. It's like, okay, well, for people that have this, you know, deep love of the source material, how are they doing? Yeah, yeah. Did you watch uh, anybody watch any of School of Chocolate on Netflix? Yeah. I did, and I was mad that I hadn't seen that this was a thing until you had it on the list. I was like, well, this is right I mean, up my alley. Maybe if you listen to our fucking show every once in a while, you'd hear about this shit. Yeah, I know, I know. You know, instead of getting on the episode and then rubbing it, you know, rubbing more salt in the wound for me there, Brooke. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's even worse because, you know, it's wintertime, so it's like that, that snow salt stuff, so... Oh, Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, what are we going to do with her? I don't know. <laughs> Eight top pastry. Oh, God. <laughs> Eight top pastry. And tra- take, a, take another Vicodin, Brooke. Eight top pastry. I love Brooke, you're a fucking sweetheart. I love you. Um, eight top pastry and chocolate professionals elevate their skills under the supervision of world-renowned chocolatier Amari Guishan. I don't know if I said that right. Anyway. But only one will be the best in class and win the chance of a lifetime. It's one of these competition shows, and these people are making works of art made out of chocolate. And... uh 
It's a competition. It's kind of like uh, Top Chef or fucking Hell's Kitchen with chocolatiers. But they get to stay. And then at the end, because it's like oh, school. It, and the does, Do they really get to stay? Are, are they kicking people off this show? I, I don't re- think they're kicking anybody off. I don't know. I mean, I... I really, oh my god, the two people that didn't perform well in the first challenge, I think this show really fucking, it's like they have to stay after school Mm -hmm. (laughs) and talk with this guy, and then they can't even compete in the next challenge. It just makes them feel like idiots. Mm -hmm. Did did you get that, Joe? Like, I felt so bad for that Amanda girl. She's like crying and shit. Yeah. Oh, that face she was making. She was good about like trying so hard not to cry. It was bad. It was terrible. I felt so bad for Amanda. I, f- I felt really bad for her. It's. It, it, I go ahead. I like the idea though that that he's talking about it being like school, and so then they can learn from their mistakes, and they can watch what the other people do, and he can show them techniques and things if they're not doing good because he wants them all to succeed. But yeah, like there's still all that pressure and all of the the embarrassment of not doing well and everything that there is in every other show. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like there's a lot of manufactured drama in this also? Oh, there is in all those kind of shows. I mean, I know there is to an extent in all of them. It just seemed really heavy handed with this one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. As far as like these shows go, like this is it's a this is fine. I I, I like looking at the creations and shit that they make mm-hmm. out of chocolate and stuff. But like, yeah, I don't know. Like the lighthouse octopus that they made was really cool and shit like that. The that 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 they showed us. Um, mm-hmm. I I have to say it's no uh, great British Bake Off. Oh, well, great! I, the more bake-off. people fucking rave about that show, the more I don't want to watch it. That's fine. <laughs> totally fine. I watch it when I'm sick. It the Great me- British Bake Off or whatever the fuck it's called. Everybody's fucking sucking the dick of that show. The more they suck the dick of that show, the more I don't want to watch it, Brooke. That's fine. There was a guy that had been a contestant on there, and he was also an engineer, and he has his own show on Netflix where they um, had an engineer and a baker together, and they had to build things like, oh, this one it has to be – uh, built on a remote control car rig and we have to be able to drive it around and you can't lose any cake and this one's got to be a boat and it was so weird and dumb and he was calling them bacon ears but I just couldn't stop watching it <laughs> what'd you think about this one Joe I thought it was pretty I mean pretty par for the course for the type of show that this is um, I feel like there's definitely a formula at play when it comes to these shows it's like okay, find find something that's kind of like a, a a niche, you know, profession or a niche calling. Bring some expert in to be your your kind of judge teacher on the show. That all these people who are contestants on the show are all going to get very excited about. The majority of the people watching the show are like, "Who's this now?" Mm-hmm. And and then they're going to go through and, and do all these different things. I mean, it just, it feels like one of those shows where it's like, if you've seen one of them, you've pretty much fucking seen all of them. Yeah. And, and my wife and I, man, when we first got a DVR back in the day, like we would watch every single episode of Chopped that would be on. Mm. And so I feel like, you know, once you've watched some of these cooking competition shows, it's like, yeah, they'll do kind of tweaks here and there to kind of change up the formula a little bit. 
but at its heart, these shows are kind of all the same. Right. And, and so this just kind of felt like more of the same. I think this, this is a great show to have on, like in the background, you know, like if you're doing stuff around the house, because like you were saying, Brian, the stuff that they, that they make, it is really fucking neat looking. Yeah. And, yeah. and those are the parts of the episode that I like, but, but all the manufactured drama going into it, the, the, oh, she almost had it done and then the chocolate broke. Oh, fuck. What are we going to do? It's like, oh, yawn. It happens on every mm-hmm. fucking show. I honestly, exactly. I, I stopped watching, uh, what was it? Nailed it. I just, it's just, I loved it at first, but it's just, it's, it is the same thing every fucking season. Yeah. As much as I love Nicole Byer, it's just like, it's the same fucking thing every season. It's like, all right, it's, it's, I get it. I get it. Um, they got a contestant on this show, uh, School of Chocolate, and she was a, uh, she's, she put her, th- put herself through culinary school, uh, by stripping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's we got like, dancer. <laughs> she, no, she was a stripper. Mm-hmm. She was a stripper. She took her clothes off uh, for money, and she put herself through culinary school. Um, I thought it would have been hilarious if they were like, "Let's go check in on her." And then she's like, "She's like, she's like, she's made like a, a chocolate stripper pole." And <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and yeah, they I, and they I, have I... to keep telling her to put her clothes back on. They're just like we. You can't do this on this show. So you got to put your clothes back on. They keep playing a private dancer whenever she comes out. Right. Um, I like reading the synopsis of the show. I was more excited for it than actually watching it because it did have a lot of that sort of manufactured kind of crap that I didn't care about. Um. Oh. Sorry. Um. That yawn had nothing to do with this. Oh God, no, no, no! You're feeling, you're feel, you're feeling what I'm no, feeling right it, now, Brooke. That's not what it is. Been to a, I've had a hard week. Um, if you want to watch some sort of like dessert show with cool looking desserts and stuff, um, watch Sugar Rush instead on on Netflix or Zumbo's something or another. He's an Australian like chef and he is one of the he's one of the um judges on the sugar rush show because they make some really cool looking stuff like on those and it's not as much of the like drama stuff in between brooks review of this is basically to watch the great british bake-off and sugar rush yeah watch watch (laughs) something else so yeah yeah fast forward to see the ending ending thing (laughs) Oh, look, it's a lighthouse and an octopus. Yeah. Uh, look, she tried to make a rolling pin and she didn't put any handles on it. Yeah. I thought it was a stripper pole. I, I mean, <laughs> could have been a little short, but you know. Let's see here. Who <laughs> Joe, did you watch uh, Twas the Fight Before Christmas? Yeah. Did you get a chance to see this, Brooke? Yes, I did. And it, you know, I saw it was a documentary or whatever, and it took a couple turns that I wasn't expecting, but yeah. Yeah, uh, it follows the story of a North Idaho neighborhood turned upside down by one man's obsession with bringing Christmas cheer to all. 
Through the biggest community Christmas event America has ever seen, Christmas-loving lawyer Jeremy Morris plans uh, plan hit a snag when the Homeowners Association informs him that the event violates the rules of the neighborhood. A contentious fight over the festivities erupts and things snowball out of control. As the situation escalates, the film asks the question, who wins when different rights and interests collide? Director Reed pieces together the polarized perspectives in this quirky Christmas tale about freedoms with a message about differences and tolerance at its heart. And, uh, yeah, it's dropped on Apple TV+. Plus. It's basically a story about a, a guy who started this uh, uh, Christmas event at his home one year and uh you know thousands of people showed up to his home and and uh he's like oh my god i want to do this and i want to do it again but i want to do it bigger and he buys a bigger house in a, in a, in a new neighborhood and tells the neighbors that he's going to be putting on this big event and they're like oh oh my god no this is going to be a nightmare with all these people fucking showing up in our neighborhood and and uh we do not want this and so uh, it turns into like this legal battle between uh this this uh this uh Christmas lawyer versus the homeowners association and uh many twists and turns joe what did you think about this i thought it was really good i i thought it was a high i'd give it a high taste it um i'll tell you right off the bat this jeremy morris dude man the way that this documentary portrays him to me, I think that this guy is an absolutely delusional narcissist. Yeah. And, oh my gosh, like, I, I love the way, I both loved and hated the way that this thing ended. I, I don't want to spoil anything about it. I think that if you have Apple TV+, Plus, this is something that you should absolutely check out. Um, And, I mean, this guy is like... Like, just, oh, what what a terrible person. Like, g- going in, it's like he creates all these problems for himself and his family and then has the audacity to stand around saying, oh, poor me, and saying it in such a volume that he's, like, it, saying it in, like, involving the national media and everything. It's, wow. He, he even says at the beginning of the documentary, like, oh, my friends and family tried to talk me out of doing this because they said you're, they're just going to portray you as a crazy person. And it's like, <laughs> they fucking sure did. <laughs> so yeah, I was not on this guy's side, like at all. I was totally understanding of his neighbors. Like the, the thought of all of a sudden, if the, the people who lived across the street from me went all Clark Griswold and like, I, I wouldn't even be able to leave my house or my driveway because there'd be a never ending line of cars every night and There's a, a, a 35-person choir in the yard, a live fucking camel. It's like, what is all of this? And then the way it progresses there, it gets it gets wild to the point where there's, like, people walking around with guns and stuff. They're, like, armed security because they've ramped this up so much into something that it's clearly not. That Man, I just think this guy is an absolutely terrible person. Yeah, he is a piece of shit. He reminded me <laughs> of, uh, his voice and his mannerisms reminded me of, like, uh, Steve Carell sometimes. Yes! Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, if like, they, if, where was his world's best boss mug? I, it was just like, if they made, like, a, a movie of this, like, they would definitely get Steve Carell to play this, <laughs> this fucking idiot. Um, yeah, I thought that this was really good. I'll give it a high taste of it as well. I just, I just, I felt so bad for his family. Not his wife. His wife is a fucking lunatic too. 
Um, yeah, she definitely enabled him from the start. She did. She did. And like, and, oh, and oh, oh, my neighbors don't like me. I've always wanted neighbors to like me. Oh, poor me. And, I, I feel like. I feel like she got gaslit by him. She wanted that. No, she wanted this shit. She wanted this shit from the beginning. She was all about getting a bigger house and making a bigger thing. And, and when it, then what he said, she was the one that said that they should get a bigger house. She didn't say that on camera. Well, she might've just been like, Oh, we're probably going to need a bigger house. Just off the cuff comment. And then he'd be like, yes, we do. I you think she was, it. I think it's she was, idea. I think Let's she was go. all about this shit. I think she was all about this shit and not until it went south with the neighbors, then she wanted to pull out. So <laughs> okay. I, I really, I think that I, 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 but I think if he was a little bit more empathetic and understanding, he would have just, he would have just fucking moved. Him and his wife would have just moved, and he would just put this behind him. Like, it's just it's it's a ridiculous fucking. Um, well, he knew before he even moved into the place yeah. that, that that it was there was a homeowners association. He's like going through this, you know the 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 rules and covenants or whatever of the HOA. He's like going through the thing with a fine tooth comb, and like basically sending them this letter saying, "Look, I, I already know." You know, I've gone through this whole thing. I know I can do this. I'm a lawyer. The amount of people who said that the first time they ever talked to him, he would like say things along the lines of, I'm a lawyer and mm-hmm. I can sue you. Yeah. And it's like, wow, you seem like a great person. And, and I agree that his wife was in on it. But on the one part that I kind of felt bad for her was when she was saying that, you know, ever since she was a little girl, she wanted to live someplace where she could have neighbors and have a bond with neighbors and this fucking guy torpedoes any chance of that before they've even moved into the property. I mean, before they've even moved in, everybody in the neighborhood is like, oh, did you hear who's buying that house over there? Oh, yeah, I hear he's a lawyer and he wants to sue all of us already. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, way to make a positive impact in the way that that he treated that poor lady that was the, you know, the president of the of oh, God. HOA. Yeah, I felt bad for her. Oh, basically just terrorizing her and. I don't know what just a terrible person. And this is like a really good example of showing that how the law can be used to bully people. And mm-hmm. I feel like there should be judges out there that that watch for this sort of shit and like fucking shut it down when it happens. And so as the kind of some of the twists and turns go in the trial in this, that was one of the things I was pleasantly surprised about. And you know, I don't really want to give anything away with it, but it, it, it seems like there was at least somebody in a judiciary that kind of saw through what was happening. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. I like. I really liked how how this was done. So I also gave it a high tasted. But I mean, you know, the first couple minutes, I was like, okay, I like this guy. He's okay. And then and then it's like, nope, nope. Red flag. Red flag. Red flag. <laughs> um. But I, I think maybe because I was charmed by a narcissist at one point in my life, I know how hard it is to sometimes think that 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 oh yeah that person is definitely uh, totally on top of totally with everything that their terrible spouse is doing because i've been there and i never thought i would be there so i'm just i think maybe i was just taking it a little personally because i'm just like blink blink if you need help (laughs) you know yeah, I, she definitely should not. <laughs> she should not be with him, and I think it's a. Mm-mm. I think it's hurting the kids too. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I, he's like, oh, all this stuff hurts, hurts my family. It's like, yeah, but you did this. It's like that meme, that Eric Andre meme where he's, you know, like shooting behind him or whatever on the stand. It's all like, why would they do this to me? Like, that's him. Exactly. I thought of that same yeah. meme watching this, Brooke. Yeah. It's a high taste. It uh, was the fight before Christmas on Apple TV Plus. Um, let's uh, let's move on into the news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a lift of a news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. News from uh, GeekyTyrant.com. Noah Hawley's Alien series will blend the horror of Alien with the action of Aliens. Uh, so, so uh, some new information has surfaced regarding Noah Hawley's upcoming Alien series. According to AVP Galaxy, the series will blend the horror of Ridley Scott's Alien with the action of James Cameron's Aliens. They shared the following plot details. Uh, set not too far into our future, it's the first alien set on Earth. And by blending both the timeless horror of the first alien film with the nonstop action of the sec- second, it's going to be a scary thrill ride that will blow people back in their seats. Uh, it's also being reported that the series will start shooting in March of 2002 in Eastern Europe as well as Thailand, uh, which is an interesting and different location for the franchise. It's also said that the synthetics or artificial persons will also play a role in the series with the uploading of consciousness uh, seemingly being explored in Noah Hawley's series. Um, the FX network head John Landgraf previously, previously talked about the series saying that it will be very grounded and that Holly is very conscious of the fact that there's a cinematic universe. He went on to that. I think you'll also see how the show will feel like a part of the cinematic universe you're very familiar with in terms of Alien. He also described the show as being a beast, a really big world-building exercise. Uh, Holly stated in the past, it's a story that's set on Earth. The Alien stories are always trapped, trapped in a prison, trapped in a spaceship. I thought it would be interesting to open it up a little bit so that the stakes of what happens if you can't contain it are more immediate. Wow. Okay. That's a lot to unpack here. Um, first off, I want to say that I've been saying for years that uh, I would love to see the aliens finally arrive on Earth and not in a pyramid like in AVP. Like, I want them on Earth. I want this fucking... I want uh, aliens on Earth. Yeah, I love I love that quote of like I thought it would be interesting to open it up a little bit so that the stakes uh, of what happens if you can't can take it are more immediate. I I love that direction. I think that that is fucking. That's what I've been wanting. So I guess I'm cautiously optimistic about this series, Joe. Yeah, cautiously, cautiously optimistic is is right where I'm at with it too. Um, I mean, I I feel like they're really, really. I mean, the the first two movies are so good, but for such very different reasons. And so, saying that this is going to be a blending of two of them, my first thought was, well, how do you do that? Because they're two, they're two such very different movies. You know, with the first one being like this real 
horror movie where you really don't see much of the alien and the aliens are, you know, the alien seems like it's almost indestructible. And then the second movie, it's like we're seeing aliens all over the place. They're a lot more killable. You know, it is way more action. I am kind of intrigued to see him on Earth because that's definitely an oh shit moment because, you know, one of the one of the silver linings in these other ones has been, well, at least they're fucking way out there in space. <laughs> we don't have to worry about him so much here. What do you do when you walk into your kitchen and there's an alien, though? You know? Oh, you're <laughs> fucked. Like, you're absolutely <laughs> fucked if that happens. <laughs> Ugh. Well, it's like, and you you walk in your kitchen and there's one, and it turns around and it looks at you and it opens its mouth and the little comes out. And that, yeah. I mean, think about like how horrifying it would be for a scene of, you know, of an alien walking into a nursery or something. You know, oh, I mean, God. I'm just saying it could happen. Like on like the baby monitor, you like see it, like you see like these shows where like they see a black mass or a ghost or something, and then but instead it's like one of those aliens. Oh, yikes! And I don't know if they were so killable in Aliens, Joe, because the fact that they had guns. There's a point in that movie where they can't shoot it; they can't shoot their guns because of uh, they could cause basically like a nuclear explosion because of the location that they're at. So it's like. They could only use their flamethrowers in that, in those scenes, in Aliens. Yeah, I don't. I've only seen the first one. What? So I don't really, you know. So I know. Huh? Oh, Brooke, yeah, you've I've never only, seen Aliens? I've oh only my! Seen the first one. But oh my god! Noah Hawley's doing this. I'm excited about it. You should be excited to watch Aliens. It's one of the best movies <laughs> ever made. It's so good. It's got so many okay. like classic one-liners and stuff in it too. Oh, I don't know why I never watched, and I don't know why I never watched it, but. Oh my god, it's got some of the best Ripley scenes you'll ever see. Get Mm -hmm. away from her, you bitch. Oh my god, how can you, how do you? I know some of the things from it, but I've never seen the whole thing. Oh my god, Brooke, get on that. It is fucking, Aliens is an incredible film. It's some of the, some of the best Ripley shit you'll ever see. I love the fact that she, um, Oh God, Sigourney Weaver's just a badass in Aliens. Not, you know, she's, she's great in the first movie, but by the second movie, she's, she's the experienced, she's more mm-hmm. experienced than anybody on this team. And, and this team seem, they, they, these Marines have seen a lot of action, but they've never come in contact with aliens. So she's basically the seasoned veteran here. It is so good. And the relationship with her and Newt, it's fantastic. You gotta watch Aliens. Um, that's, yeah, that's like I said, I'm probably going to have a lot of downtime. You need to watch. Yes, please watch aliens. (laughs) I like what they're saying here though. I do. I think it's, it's smart to say that it's a blend of the first one and the second one. The joke is like, those are the the two best movies. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's (laughs) like, if you want to catch people's attention, that are fans of this franchise, tell them it's a blending of the first and second one. Yeah. What what, what about Noah Hawley in action, though? Is that, like, something that Noah Hawley's known for? Not really, I would say. You know, I mean, I guess there's not a lot of action in, uh, in, you know, like, I guess um, but if he Fargo. Could get some and, help with the action, I think he could blend the two together. Sure. Yeah. Because I think the, I think the sort of horror aspects of the first one 
it's hard for somebody who can't do that kind of thing and he can do like weird stuff. I'm just saying like if we get a if we get an my big I guess my biggest worry is that you know we get an alien series and it doesn't have like the action that I want. Like right. it, it it I don't want it to be like one of these things like where I'm waiting episode to episode like when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? And then it never happens and it's just like mm-hmm. cuz Noah Hawley is very you know when you look at Fargo and you look at Legion especially Legion's very you know, um, uh, psychological trippy kind yeah. of. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I still, I still want the, uh, the action elements of, uh, of alien to be in this as well. So, uh, they're saying it's going to premiere sometime in 2023 is what they're saying. Most likely. um, I don't have, there's not a lot of news this week. Um, news from Dark Horizons, they said Matrix Resurrections is not a sequel. Did you guys hear about this? No. Yeah. Anticipation is high for Lana Wachowski's The Matrix Resurrection, even as many questions remain over just where the story of the franchise will go. Though ostensibly the fourth film in the series, this certainly this is certainly not a reboot, nor is it a straight sequel either. Some characters are coming back, most with their same actors, but things are still quite different. Then there's the fact that, as the trailer showcased, scenes from the original Matrix film can be seen as an apparent film within the world of this new entry. So just what is it? David Mitchell, the Cloud Atlas author who co-wrote the new Matrix film with Alexander Heman and Wachowski, spoke with a Greek newspaper to Vima recently translated by showbiz cheat sheet. He says he's seen the film and wants to be clear. And he wants to clear one thing up. I saw the film in Berlin in September. It's really good. I cannot tell you what this film is about, but I could explain what it is not. It's certainly not yet one more sequel, but something autonomous that contains. However, the three matrix movies that preceded it in a really ingenious way. It's a very beautiful and weird creation. It also achieves a couple of things that we do not see in action films, meaning it subverts the rules of blockbusters. Mitchell also confirmed Wachowski's own comments that the film is essentially a creative response to the grief of her losing both her parents a few months apart several years ago. What is... Joe, okay, when we... Joe, Brooke, when we watch the trailer, there are scenes of like, um, we see screens with, um, parts of the original Matrix movies being displayed on the screens. Almost like the Matrix is a movie within this world. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where Keanu Reeves is talking to, uh, the guy from Mindhunter, who's, I, I don't, I don't know his name in real life. He's talking to that guy and he goes, Oh, this is exciting. You're going back to the Matrix. And is he talking about like, Oh, you're going back to the Matrix? Or is he saying, or could Keanu Reeves be like the writer of this film franchise, the screenwriter of this film franchise that exists in this universe? And he's like, Oh, it's exciting. You're going back to the Matrix. Kind of like if, like, you know, let's say, like, J.K. Rowling was going to write, like, a new Harry Potter series or something like that. Oh, you're going back to the Harry Potter-verse. Mm-hmm. You're going back to the Potter-verse. Like, 
is is that what we're dealing? I kind of think that did those first Matrix movies. Was it, it, it was, Joe? I don't know. I'm getting lost in the weeds here. What do you think? Well, it, you know, it could be something to where is this what the machines are doing to try and reset everybody? Like you, you, they can't like wipe out the events of really what happened, but they can kind of twist it and make it more seem like it was something that was like a movie, or or is this something more like where in was it in it was in the second one where he first talked to the architect, right? And in the architect, he was in that room with all the different TVs and he was showing, you know, different things from like Neo's life, right? And that guy certainly was talking about things in such a way that, you know, he knew what the Matrix was. So is it is it some, you know, program from the Matrix that's talking to him this way? Is it something that the machines did to cover up what happened? Because they'd said before that, you know, Zion had been, you know, destroyed and restarted several times that Neo, you know, wasn't this first. Right. Yeah. You know, one that, you know, this has happened several times and every time, you know, we present the one with this choice and he always decides to save Zion. And so I, I it's just I don't know. The closer that we get to it, I'm not going to lie. The more excited I am to go see it. Though. Yeah, me too. What if, what if he is like if it is like, oh, he wrote these movies and that's why we see this stuff and people talk about it. But it was from some sort of latent memories he had from actually from where that was before. I think you're on to something, Brooke. I, yeah. I, I think, you know, you, yeah, I think you're on. Like, we see him and he, we see him and Carrie Ann Moss come together, but they don't know each other, but they kind of, it's like that, do I know you kind of thing? Right. I think you're on to something. Like, um, these actually did happen, but like, they carried over these memories just to, um, just so that he could he could write them as a screenwriter in this other version of the Matrix, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of kind of how I feel, but I don't know. Yeah, no, I no, I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I, I'm looking forward to this. Do you think this is going to kick off maybe another trilogy, or do you think the the <laughs> do you think like I'm hoping I. Personally, I'm hoping <laughs> that uh, it's a fourth and final film, and I and I hope it's a fourth and final good film. Is what I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. I I don't need any more. Yeah. I I just want just fucking like if you can find a way to, um, you know, uh, I guess retcon in be inclusive of the of of all three of the original films, but in a way retcon those other two films that. Mm-hmm. weren't as good as the iconic first matrix film and and kind of make them good i mean and then end it that way that's kind of what i'm looking forward to i don't really need a whole another trilogy i i just hope that this is a nice kind of like uh swan song that we can exit the franchise and be like man wow i'm glad that they made this <laughs> Yeah, I fully support that opinion because they couldn't even stick the landing on the trilogy the first go around. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I I just hope they do good on this one and they wrap it and they don't have these ulterior motives of, oh, now we can do two more again. It's like, "Mm, but can (laughs) you? Yes. I feel like that's more of the, um, like, 
the studio wanted that, and that's how come they didn't end up being as good as the first one. You're, I, I, I agree with you because I, as everything that I've ever read was that they only planned on doing the one movie, and Warner Brothers was just like, "Holy shit, this is a cash cow. We got to make more." So everything that I've ever read that like it, Matrix was just supposed to be the one film. They didn't have anything else planned. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for a different note because there's going to be several people who worked with them on Sense8. And I loved that show and was so mad that it was over. But then when they had the movie, I cried and cried and cried. I never um, watched the movie. I yeah, I was so fucking pissed off that they canceled that show, Brooke, because I loved that first season so it much. It was such a good show. It was. Anyway. It was, it was uh, a great Back show. when they had bumpers, I was doing like live reactions to those episodes. Yeah, that um, first season of Sense8 was great. Um, Netflix, uh, they also canceled the OA, which I fucking love too. And uh, yeah, Netflix, I don't know, man. Netflix was like that place that resurrected shows like Arrested Development and... And then they just became like the graveyard for shows that I loved. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, it kind of goes in like ebbs and flows. With it Netflix. does. Like, oh hey, yeah, look, they're bringing this back. Oh wait, nope. Now they're taking these away. Yeah, 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 yeah. What fucking yeah, gl- I, I glow is? I mean, I'm gonna watch this. So. Oh we'll God, see. yeah. And does, does um. Like, it keeps having Lana's name on it. Does is Lily have anything to do with this? Who? Because I know one part it said based on the originals by, you know, the Wachowskis or whatever. But I just hadn't seen both oh, their names. Oh, this is, no, this is just Lana. Okay. Yeah, this is just Lana. Um, yeah, like, uh, she's she's taken over this franchise. So it's it's no longer the Wachowskis. It's just Lana that's involved in this one. Okay. So um, I don't have any Marvel news this week. I do have a couple things that I wanted to talk about in DC news. Should I, Joe, should I play the bumper? Yeah, the bumper's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, fun bumper, dude. I, you almost said fantastic. I almost said fantastic. <laughs> Joe, <laughs> when you want to say fantastic, just say fantastic. <laughs> Don't. This is a fantastic bumper. Thank you. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. Oh, man. New Batman synopsis. Did you guys uh, read the new Batman, Batman synopsis that came out for the, for the Matt Reeves yep. Batman? Oh, no, I have not seen that. Uh, two years of stalking the streets as the Batman, striking fear into the hearts of criminals, has led Bruce Wayne deep into the shadows of Gotham City with only a few trusted allies. Al- Alfred Pennyworth, Lieutenant James Gordon, amongst the city's corrupt network of officials and high-profile figures, the lone vigilante has established himself as the sole embodiment of vengeance amongst his fellow citizens. When a killer targets Gotham's elite with a series of sadistic machinations, a trail of cryptic clues sends the world's greatest detective on an investigation into the underworld where he encounters such characters as Selina Kyle, a.k.a. Catwoman, Oswald Coppelpot, a.k.a. The Penguin, Carmine Falcone, 
and Edward Nashton, a.k.a. The Riddler. As the evidence begins to lead closer to home and the scale of the per- uh, perpetrator's plans become clear, the Batman, uh, Batman must forge new relationships, unmask the culprit, and bring justice to the abuse of power and corruption that has long plagued Gotham City. So that is the new, that is the new synopsis for the Batman. Coming out in March, man. Coming out in fucking March. I cannot, f- oh god, I cannot wait for this movie. Mm-hmm. Do you think yeah, that this is be here before we know it, dude? It's got, uh-huh. it, it's got, this has got to, this has got to be, I, I gotta, I gotta think that once this, once this hits in March, this has got to be the biggest post-COVID box office haul that we've seen. This has got to yeah, be, it's got to beat F9. It's got to beat Venom. Let there be carnage. This has to be huge. It's fucking Batman. This has to be huge. Yeah, you'd think it's got to be between this new Spider-Man coming out and Batman, being that they're the most, you know, recognizable superheroes. Yeah. I mean, we already have their, like, they are made Lego sets of it, you know? <laughs> oh, God. God. So, yeah. We're really hoping. Yeah. I, I'm not a Lego collector or anything like that, but even the fucking like, Lego sets of, like, the Batmobile look incredible for this oh my god um and i wanted to this is the last thing i want to talk about and i don't know if you guys saw this like dropped on cbr.com the batman an unlikely source may have spoiled uh barry is it barry keegan or kogan Hmm. how do you pronounce his fucking i looked it up i looked it up how to pronounce, I looked it up weeks ago, how to pronounce Barry uh, Keegan, Kogan, and it said Kogan. Well, there you go. I don't know. <laughs> Hold on. Let me play this. I'll play it. How, yeah, Barry Kogan. I'm a, let me play this. Barry Kogan. Barry Kogan. She says Barry Kogan, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's, bear, it's Barry it's spelled K E O G H A N, and I've heard I've heard everybody say Barry Keegan, and then I say Barry Kogan, and then I ask Google, and they say Barry Kogan. Barry Kogan. A lot of times when you have an E before another vowel like that, yes, it's the second vowel. It's so. the second vowel. It's German. Yeah, and it's not Hulk Hegan. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hulk Hogan, but there's no E there, is there? Brooke. No. Barry Kogan. Barry Kogan! <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, we did our Eternals episode, Barry Kogan's in it, and uh, everybody on the episode's calling him Barry Keegan. I called him Kogan. Barry Kogan. Barry Kogan! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you had a certain octave with that. It's really funny. <laughs> well, he can never say his name normal again. You have to just shout it like that every time. Yeah. Oh no, that's not going to be a thing, Brooke. That's that'll, that'll kill my voice. I'm not. This is not. This is not going to be another Scoop McNary thing. <laughs> oh right, yeah. Barry Kogan. Barry Kogan. <laughs> Sorry. 
The Not bike. as impactful in regular conversational tone, I gotta say. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> when I when I sit in the movie theater to watch the Batman in March, and they're doing the opening credits, and I see his name pop up, I'm gonna go. Barry Cogan. Barry Cogan. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're gonna play it with the that voice. I will. I will. I'm gonna play her voice as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just to let everybody know that, yes, I am pronouncing it correctly. You probably would pronounce it incorrectly. You did not do the research, as I have done. So here's your proof. Barry Cogan. Barry Cogan! This episode is terrible, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I want to murder this episode like Kevin Hart did at the end of that first episode of True Story. I'm sorry, the spoilers, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the Batman unlikely source may have spoiled Barry Cogan's rumored villain role. I didn't. I, I didn't even know that Barry Cogan was in the movie. Did you know he was in the movie, Joe? No, no. This whole time you were talking about yelling his name in the credits, I'm like, who the fuck is he playing in this? Rebecca, uh, Rebecca, Brooke. Did you watch? I called you Rebecca. I apologize, Brooke. That's fine, Brooke. Um, I mean, you could call me a whole lot worse people. Like, calling me a great person is totally fine. <laughs> um, Brooke, did you watch Eternals? Yeah. What'd yeah. You, what did you think of Eternals? I'm curious. I liked it, but I think it would have been better if it had been a TV show, like a series. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, my God, Brooke. That is, yeah. I, 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 that's one of those things, like, a lot of people were saying after the fact that it came out, and I, I, I agree with you 100%. I really, there's just so many fucking Eternals, right? Mm-hmm. There's yeah. just so many. F- like, how, like, they just picked a few of them. Yeah. You know, there was a ton, obviously. In, yeah. In the, but they just picked some of them, and there's so much more lore and everything. Yeah. I, yeah. I know. Yeah. 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 I, that's nothing that we brought up on the episode, but like, I've heard a lot of people say that. And then I was just like, holy shit, this would, yeah, Turtles would have made a way better series, in my opinion. Um, Barry Cogan's brother, Eric, may have accidentally spoiled the actor's role in the Batman by confirming his casting as Joker. What? Listen wow. to this. Yeah, listen to this. In a now-deleted exchange, Eric Kogan responded, Eric Kogan! <laughs> <laughs> Eric Kogan responded to a rumor that Barry Kogan would play Joker, saying, So, it's finally out. My brother playing the Joker in the new Batman. Unreal stuff. While this is far from official confirmation... The rumor Barry Cogan is playing Joker does align with a number of rumors surrounding the Batman's villains and the actor's role. Still take this claim with a grain of salt. So, yeah, they're saying... um, In 2020, Cogan joined the Batman, with Warner Brothers confirming his character as Gotham City Police Department Officer Stanley Merkel. Created by Frank Miller, Merkel first appeared canonically in 1987's Batman number 405 we served as Jim Gordon's partner Merkel was later killed by Sophia Falcone 
If this rumor does prove true, there's no indication just how the Batman will approach Merkel and his connection to Joker. So, I don't know, like, it, it's a it's a now-deleted exchange. Did, did Eric Kogan, the brother of Barry Kogan, just, like, misunderstand his brother or just put out some, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Or is or is Barry or is Barry Cogan eventually going to be playing the Joker like in a in a in a future Robert Pattinson Batman movie? It's something to it's something to keep your eye on. I mean, are there going to be any kind of like Easter eggs or anything in this movie that's going to lead us to believe that his character could eventually be the Joker? It's definitely if if he's playing an officer in the Gotham city police department that's under Jim Gordon. This is a drastically different fucking origin story for the Joker than we've mm-hmm. ever seen. And I, I kind of don't like it at all. <laughs> yeah. I hope that those things don't, I hope that they don't actually correlate. Like it's either going to be one or the other because I, I don't, I don't like them going away from that origin story either. Yeah. What do you think? Okay, let, okay. Let's just say the rumors are true. Let's say Barry Cogan's playing the Joker. Do you like that casting? Yeah, I think he could do it. I mm. mean, there's so many different. Here's the cool thing about the Joker, though. I mean, there's so many different portrayals of him in the comics. It's really just you know pick what you're going to go with and just hope it resonates with audiences. Yeah. Does it get you? Know, because but does Barry Cogan get you excited? Like, oh my god, yes, finally a Barry Cogan Joker. I think <laughs> I've only ever seen him in like- Eternals. He was in was he in Dunkirk? Yeah, but that's not enough to base it on. Yeah, I, like I think he could. I think he could do it, but it's not like if you were being like, "Who do you want to be the next Joker?" I wouldn't have been like. Barry yeah, Cogan. Right. No, I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> well, I, and I think like you're, you're basically echoing everybody back when Heath Ledger was cast as well. Mm-hmm. We didn't know, you know, yeah. we we all didn't know what we were going to be in for. When we heard Heath Ledger, it's I don't think anybody had anything really against Heath Ledger, but you know, we what was he in like Ten Things I Hate About You and Yeah, I don't think any of us could have predicted what Heath Ledger ended up doing with that, right. that role. And he was able to do something so iconic with it, especially after Jack Nicholson, you know, fucking smashed it out of the park when he did it in 1989. So Heath Ledger fucking creeps me out as the Joker. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, he did a fucking just, great job with yeah. it. And, and I, yeah. I think that it is, it's just all about the choices that they're going to make. And, and could this guy, could, could Barry Koenig do it? Yeah, I think he could. Um, I'd be interested in seeing him try, but I don't fucking want to see it if he's starting out as like a cop and then he's going to transition over to me. Sorry, go ahead. What if that part is a misdirection? Saying that he's supposed to be this cop that is an actual canonical character just to throw people off. Yeah, and it just also seems like they wouldn't go with that backstory after you know, doing the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Yeah. Like, well, like, why would they do such a wild departure on an origin story after they had a uh, another movie dedicated to it? Oh, I was just meaning, like, it was 
like what if he had like the say like a more traditional Joker backstory, but they were just saying that he was cast as somebody else to throw people off. Yeah, well, I hope it's more the case of something like that then. You know, like I'd rather, I'd rather be that. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I, I think it's an interesting, uh, thing to, uh, I now going into, I'm glad that this was leaked because now going into this movie, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on, you know, Barry Cogan's character in this movie mm-hmm. and seeing like, are there any, you know, is there, is there something more with this character that we should, you know, um, are there any Easter eggs like leading us to believe that his character could become the Joker? Is there a more like sinister side of this character that we're seeing as we're watching this movie? So that's something I'm going to be keeping my eye on as I'm watching the Batman. So, but, uh, I don't know. Barry Cogan's not like my first choice. I was thinking like, I think Will Poulter would be a good Joker. Um, Who's the Who's the Skarsgård kid? Is it Bill Skarsgård from uh from It? It? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking Bill Skarsgård's a a safe choice as as like a Joker character. Um Hmm. Of course Joaquin Phoenix, we've seen him. I I just don't know if we'd see Joaquin Phoenix want to be part of like a a cinematic universe especially you know, I don't know. I don't know. He, you know, he 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 hasn't ruled against doing like a sequel or something like that. But I don't know. We'll see. Barry Cogan. <laughs> I think we're done. That's, that's it. I'm done. I ain't, I got done. <laughs> like you're done completely, or just with this. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna kill myself after this episode, Brock. I'm not done. No, no, no. <laughs> that was farther than I'm. In. Oh, oh, gee, I took it literally. Like, <laughs> Brian is going Good to. Life. Brian's oh. going to exit the plane of existence after this episode. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to cease to exist as a person. Um, yeah, <laughs> welcome to the afterlife. If there is one, we don't know. <laughs> it could just all go to black. It could be over. We don't know. Um, <laughs> I hope when I die, I see like that, uh, you remember like, like when, uh, when, 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 when television programming would end in like the eighties and it would just go to like that one screen that had like the bars on it. Yes. I hope that's all I see when I'm dead. It's just an eternity of that. <laughs> Well, well. First, they play the national anthem. I get to see. You die, and you just see a flag waving in the breeze. You hear the national anthem. Yeah, I get to see a veteran saluting the flag. You know, an eagle soaring, and then I get to see the. And that's it, Joe. That's it. That's welcome. Welcome to the afterlife. Welcome welcome to the afterlife. This is this is it. We hope you enjoy your stay. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and then at six in the morning, I get some infomercials by Ron Popeil. Anyway. <laughs> the one with the, like, spray on hair. Mm. I was a big fan of the uh, Ron Popeil uh, food dehydrator. 
Yeah, because I'm like, because that was the one that I always knew, and then I'm like, wait, why did? Because I just thought he made he did stuff with like food things. Because you know I'm a kid, and then he's got the spray on hair, and I'm like, that's that's weird. <laughs> yeah, this, remember, do you remember the spray on hair, Joe? Oh yeah, yeah, that's some weird <laughs> shit. <laughs> Like that's something that shouldn't be a thing. Right. You got you got to imagine that like when it gets hot out, you're just going to start dripping black ink from your forehead. <laughs> Can't be pretty. Just melting. Like just be confident and bald. It's better than trying to pretend you have hair that's been sprayed on. Just fucking shave your just shave your head, man. Just fucking shave your head, right? Mm. Yep. If you got a weird shaped skull, it's a conversation piece. It's like modern art. <laughs> Roll with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we're done. Well, actually, you see this dent here. I went head first down a snow down a snow hill, right into a tree. <laughs> I've got a, yeah. I when I was in the military, I had to shave my head, and uh, I've got I've got a nice I've got a nice uh, I look I look fine with a shaved head. So that proved to me that like if I ever go like fully bald, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> I shaved my head in like seventh or eighth grade, and I was like, yeah, I got a nice shaped skull. I can go with that. Yeah. <laughs> I have a tiny, tiny child size head, and I buzzed all my hair off last year, and it just made it even smaller. <laughs> well, you're a fun size person anyway. You know, like there's like the regular yeah. size candy bars, and then fun size. You're fun size, Brooke. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing with your kneecap. It's like you had such a short distance to fall. I can't believe it broke. Oh, yeah, right. Now, How did it break? Now it's in three little fun size pieces, isn't it, bro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the little tiny square ones. <laughs> bitty. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was terrible, Brooke. I apologize. <laughs> no, I did. Okay, I did this video the other day before I hurt myself uh, of me getting Christmas tree cakes from Kroger. And then sing it like playing "All I Want for Christmas Is You" in the background, and like me eating them, and they were smeared all over my face and everything. And Eric Marable says, "I don't believe that. There's no way that Brooke could reach that top shelf." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I was in, I was in, uh, I was in, uh, fucking uh, uh, Sam's Club, Sam's Club the other day. I always put, I, I put headphones in. Um, ear, earplugs, uh, earbuds, excuse me, in when I go into any store and I listen to music because I can't, I don't want to fucking listen. If there's a kid crying or some shit, I don't want to hear it. I don't, I don't like listening to, 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 actually, I just don't like listening to the noises and, and, and other people in stores. So I, I had my earbuds in and I had the radio station on. People, people arguing on what kind of ramen to get or whatever. Yeah. yeah I just don't want to hear any side conversations and i listened yeah i do i listen to radio because i do like listening to radio djs and then bringing up stories and stuff like that but anyway the fucking the mariah carey all i want for christmas is you song came on and this was literally like the this was black friday the day after thanksgiving and that song came on and i was so ready for it i fucking love that song i fucking cranked that shit up man it was so (laughs) I fucking love that. So I don't care what anybody says. I fucking love that Mariah Carey Christmas song. It was fucking amazing. It got me in the mood. I cranked that shit up. Joe, I cranked that shit up like I was a 14-year-old, like I, when I was 14 <laughs> listening to like Pantera for the first time. That's it's, what, it's like it's like free guy at Christmas. 
Because there's that Mariah Carey song that they play in Free Guy, but then it's the Christmas Mariah Carey. It's just like that. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> no? Okay. Listen to this. Oh my god. How can you not get in the spirit? Oh my god. It's a it's an amazing Christmas song. Hold on, it started off like this. I was listening to it like this. It was on the headphones like this. And then I heard it and I was like, (gasps) Here she goes, here she goes. She ain't fucking around now. It's Christmas time, bitch. (laughs) Oh shit, yeah, Christmas time, bitch. Oh my god. How can you not get in the Christmas fucking mood with that shit? You gotta be like the ultimate Grinch. (laughs) You know what I'm gonna do on Christmas Day? I'm gonna spend it alone, Joe. That's the fucking sad part about it. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be fucking alone drinking a bottle of wine. Well, that's I mean, totally you'll have your cats with you. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. true. I'll have he he. It'll on. be me and Carol. <laughs> I'll, I'll have he he on my chest, and we'll fucking we'll, yeah. I'll I'll probably be watching Die Hard or something. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I get excited about that Mariah Carey song. It's a good song. It's mine. Anyway, I'm done. We're fucking done. Brooke, where can people find you? Oh, uh, uh, we have a Star Trek podcast, me and Rebecca, uh, called the Picard cast that hopefully will come back sometime soon. Um, like I said, I'm going to be sitting around, so I should be able to edit and I've got some new headphones, which is why I hadn't been editing them lately. Um, we also do the she and the podcast of Power, and that's me and her and Cindy, my roommate, and occasionally Carol, who is licking my hand, barks. Um, and, uh, yeah, I started to do my own history podcast about my area called The Borough, and I'm online. And if you want to write reviews for us, let us let us know. Because I, I handle the reviews, you guys, for... Rotten Tomatoes, PCL. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Seriously. In the way and fuck, I could handle all that shit. So thank you, Brooke. That is like, that's huge for me. So thank you. You're welcome, Brian. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. I was going to say your thank you, too, but I was like... Why are you thanking me? Because you're saying nice things. Oh, okay. And I appreciate it. Okay. I mean, you're a nice person, but not... I mean, I feel like yeah. not everybody knows how... Nice and genuine you are. Yeah, let's not get carried away. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, don't drop the facade, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I do want people to think that there's a tinge of evil. Um, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> 
tinge of evil. A tinge of evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Startcast, long form conversation podcast. I do uh, mm. drop episodes almost every Saturday. Um, uh, yeah, now no... that you got back into it, you are really back into it. I know. I employed a that, spreadsheet. Man. It's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, my guest for this week had to reschedule at the last minute, so uh, new episode next week. Uh, yeah, blame it on the guest, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's been my motto. It's been my motto like, since I'm we over- first started, Joe. <laughs> yeah, well, and I'm over 40 now, too, so it's like if somebody, it's like if I find out, like, oh, you're canceling plans, it's not going to go down tonight? Like, yeah. <laughs> and also in the case of this, it was like, you know, I had stuff to watch. And so I was like, all right, I'm not doing StarCast on Friday night. I'm going to watch Twas the Fight Before Christmas with my wife. And that was a good time. Oh, man. Twas the Fight Before Christmas. That was every year uh, for me growing up in my childhood home. <laughs> Knew Ugh. you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went to I, I Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, uh, my sister texts me and she's like, ah, do you want a plate? And I said, sure. So I, I drove out there and got a plate and, uh, picked up my plate and I said, and then I, uh, my niece and nephew were there and, uh, I said, now I'm going to go home, spend Thanksgiving alone. And I said, <laughs> and then I, and then I, as I exited, I said, you can't spell families without lies. And I walked out. <laughs> <laughs> and they laughed. They laughed. <laughs> my sister, my sister gets it. I told, I told, I told her, I said, you know, I spent my entire life working to the, working to the point where I can get away from the family. And so I let it. So on, on holidays, I just love spending them alone. I really, mm-hmm. it's a day off. It's a day away. I got the, Oh God. Uh, Thanksgiving was fantastic though. I, 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 it was one of the, I just took the day off and I spent the day and the entire day with my cats. They absolutely loved it. So, <laughs> and I watched, awesome. yeah, yeah. I, I was, I just wanted to take the day by myself and the universe thought that I needed to spend it with my friend that I was going to have dinner with because that's the only person who could come and get me when I ended up in the hospital. Uh, but it was fine. She helped me. It was nice. I'm really sorry that happened to you, Brooke. That really sucks. And I hope you have a quick recovery. Cause I, it I'm, does suck, but you know, I, I had like, honestly, like so many people in the army who've known about it yeah. are keeping up and asking me how I'm doing like every day, which has only been a couple days, but it's like, I, you know, and then my other friends who are not in the army, you know, are checking up on me and everything. Um, yeah, like I, I always knew I had good friends, but it, it's just nice. It's just really nice when, you know, I feel so bad that I, I'd see that I have good friends. Well, like one of the reasons where like Jake dropped out and I was like, holy shit, I got a slot open for this episode. I was like, holy shit, Brooke is probably wanting to do something because she's just stuck at home i was like i'm i was like why don't i ask brooke to come on this episode so i'm glad that you could join us for this episode at least you know take your mind off of it for a little mm-hmm. while because yeah. my I, mom went to go get us dinner but she doesn't know her way around so cindy went with her and i'm just like i 
can't I can't even go down the stairs nope. to the car. Nope. I'll tell you one thing. Why like, did I get this when I did I get this stupid thing on the third floor? When I when I snapped my Achilles tendon and I couldn't walk or anything like that, um when you do heal up and when you're able to get out there again, you'll like it gives you like this crazy appreciation of just being able to be mobile and walk around and yeah. do things. Cause I remember, Oh my God, I had to, when I, when I did go to the store, I had to use one of those fucking like, uh, motorized carts to go, <laughs> to go around and get my groceries and stuff. And it sucked. It was like embarrassing, but, uh, yeah. And then, when I, Oh God, when I'd go to movies, I was wearing my boot and walking around with my fucking boot. Uh, it was a nightmare, but hopefully well, you have a we, quick recovery. So we have AMC A list. So even if I could get out to go to the movies, our AMC is like the only theater in town that doesn't have recliners. Ugh. So that's probably not going to happen if I get a cast. You know, I'm like, shit. Yeah. For twenty dollars a month down the drain, or whatever it is. Yeah, I would, uh, there's an AMC in Springfield that has like all, all their theaters have the recliners and that's the one I would typically drive out to. Yeah, all of, I don't know where the closest AMC, other AMC is to us, but, um, all the Cinemarks have it. Um, we have a, I think we have a rave maybe that got them now and then like everywhere has them, even like the art theater. Mm. <laughs> like everything but the AMC. AMC's garbage. Yeah. AMC is the McDonald's of fucking movie theaters. They are trash. <laughs> <laughs> but I still go, just like <laughs> I do too, because AMC, it's 20 bucks a month for the A-list, and I could just watch three movies a week. Right? Yeah. I know. I know. Every once in a while, I'll pay the upcharge, though, to go to another theater. There's um, one, like, there's a an AMC in Evansville, and it is super nice, and so... You know, if I ever go back to my hometown, I'll go with my friends and we'll drive the extra 40 minutes or whatever to go to that one because it's super nice. I remember going to an AMC dining theater and mm-hmm. uh, it was they had recliners. It was nice. It was up in like Schaumburg or something near, near Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I watched San Andreas and I just fucking just got I ordered margaritas and I just got pissed drunk at the AMC <laughs> watching. <laughs> I love that movie because I just got drunk and drinking margaritas watching The Rock. Great. <laughs> really good. Um, sounds, sounds amazing. It was. It was a good time, Brooke. And I'm glad to know that you made it home safely since we're talking to you now. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. No, <laughs> yes, I'm still here with you. <laughs> <laughs> You're not podcasting from the beyond? No. I mean, he could be. I don't know. Mm. Let's wrap this bitch up. Let's wrap it up like Mariah Carey. Ready. Oh, God. Here's this. Oh, man. I'm in the Christmas spirit. All right, fuck it. Let's end this bitch. All right, just like all good leftovers say on the doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. I don't know what the fuck we're talking about. We'll see you then. (laughs) (laughs) It's talking about more bullshit, just more crap. 
more crap being released every weekend there, Joe. to ask if she needs to come. I'm the Brooke over there having a side conversation. I haven't even had it yet. <laughs> Brooke's what? just like, fuck it. She, Brooke's re- reading texts over there. No. <laughs> see you next week. We walk. The dog was trying to get out, and Cindy sent me a text message to see if I needed her to come get the dog. All right. Yeah, we'll find out next week if, if she needed to get the dog, everybody. Wait with anticipation. No, I'm kidding. All right. See anyway. See see you next week, guys. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap! Could it toss it, could it taste it? Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture, left over. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Left over. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that originally good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and really shout the crap, even though it is shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the poor kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover, pop culture leftover. And with the uncool kids. What's his day's already been said Left over Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture left over Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover. Pop culture leftover. I'm with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.